everybody, and welcome to episode 362 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, the ever-episodic Michael Raparez. Who else is joining me here in the mystical, magical Ronald Hayden Memorial Studio? Jill Steiner, Bus, Chris Antista. And... Started off strong, but it's all been downhill from there, Matthew Allen. And special guest... I got a gun arm, and I'm a liberator, <laughs> T.L. Foster. <laughs> it is... Quite a week. We are between two of the biggest remakes of the year. Not remasters, but remakes. We just got through Resident Evil 3 Remake. And by the time this show is out, many of you will probably be ignoring us so that you can play Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Because it's and out! We never thought it would happen. listen to that dialogue. Listen to our podcast. Can I just point out that uh, Square Enix, the company that is known for having the weirdest fucking names ever which we were just talking about off mic um they literally named this thing final fantasy 7 remake like the most on the nose name you could give it i I think (laughs) we've officially confirmed they use their prototype name as their retail name but i mean it's so from from what i've heard from people who've gotten their hands on the remake you have to call it remake because this is not a remaster there is like legitimate story differences That, as I've said before we started recording, I'm extremely excited to see everybody experience the world of Tetsuya Nomura and have the fun I have playing Kingdom Hearts games. You have a lot of hatred in your heart for humanity if you really (laughs) wish that upon people, don't you, T.I.? Hey, look, everyone loves Final Fantasy VII. This is the game they all deserve. (laughs) That's just what I'm going to say. This is the game that they all deserve. I obviously have not got my hands to get the hands on the game yet, but I've seen a lot of people who have very interesting thoughts about the game. I think I'm going to like it, but I also can't get hurt by Tetsuya Nomura because I played like 20 million Kingdom Hearts games. So yeah, I'm here for it. I'm yeah. here for all the bullshit. That, that, that guy launched a, 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 a like 70-hour spinoff in the middle of a Toy Story level. <laughs> this is a real <laughs> thing that happened. That was not That's- a punchline. <laughs> The spinoff that's in the Toy Story, Story, Story level, which yes. was his original idea of Final Fantasy Versus 13. He was just like, I'm going to make that fucking game. This is the guy that's going to I play. I have pictures <laughs> of everyone in this company fucking animals. I'm going to make this game. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun show. But one thing, for those of you who've played the Resident Evil 3 remake, you might have noticed it has a banger of an opening. Like, oh my god, it it goes from, like, strange and first-person to surreal and nightmarish to, uh, oh my god, what the fuck's going on, run, 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 in the space of a few minutes. And that made me want to kind of take a look back at some other games that had some very memorable openings. Some might be tied into this week's new releases, I don't know. So I talked to you guys and we put together an interesting list that will not have a lot of expected entries on it. I'll just say that. Good. Mm. I've I've never wanted to talk about games more than right now because of how I'm going through my backlog. And I guarantee you, you'll all be bored and want me to move on. No. (laughs) You guys aren't going through the backlog? Oh, oh yeah. I I brought some pain upon myself this week. I started playing Red Dead Redemption online. Oh, no um, goodness. <laughs> yeah, sounds, boy. Sounds like a bad time. <laughs> so, well, I, you know, I went on and on. I loved Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, right. in the campaign mode. But everything that you complain about with with that game in terms of the slowness and the awkwardness, like, it gets 
amplified and magnified by the online mode. Like, it's just like, oh my god, skinning animals still takes this long. Oh, and some random ass can just come up and shoot me and kill me on the spot for doing nothing. Oh, so that's fun, fun too. Hmm. Well, yeah. can, I say, can I say what I've been playing? Just just to, to, to kickstart a conversation? <laughs> just because, uh, one was in, in regards to this list, and, and two was just trying to like utilize the stuff I already have and save some money, because, you know... Who knows how this whole shit is going to shake out? Patreon.com. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, 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 I want you guys called Resident Evil Two one of your favorite games of last year, mm-hmm. and yes. they discounted yes. it to twenty dollars uh, in, in anticipation of the release of three. Yes. So I was like, oh, I'll fucking, I'll pay twenty bucks for Resident Evil Two. That seems, that seems cool. I've never liked this game. Let me see if this changes anything. It did not. Aww. It did not change anything at all. It, like it, it, it made me believe. Like, is this purely nostalgia that like everyone played this game over and over again? That this is fun. It's not even. It wasn't even fun survival horror for me. It, it was more frustrating. Like, what the fuck do I need to do? Tell me what I need to do. Shoot him in the I head. haven't played this in 30 years. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't, like, it. it's a very different experience than, yeah. you know, RE2. It, I mean, it's again, it's one of the remake brands, right? It's a completely different yeah. game. You have to kind of look at it in a different kind of light. Like, it is it is the Resident Evil game in the light of survival, survival horror that's been happening now for, what, 20, 30 years? Like, you can't think of it as, like... A traditional Resident Evil. You have to. I very much did because I constantly ran out of ammo and backtracked a billion times to find. Oh, this detonator needs a battery, mm. uh, and it's I a, must have walked past the one drawer that it was in. And there's no indication of where this is unless I look up a fact. Because otherwise, I'm walking through five floors of nothing over and over again. It's a Resident Evil Metroidvania. It's a Retroidvania. I know it just like, like to me it was like it brought back all those agonizing memories of why I never finished one huh. and mm. and 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 I, I like four and five and six to a much lesser extent. And you seven, like the action ones. You more. don't you don't like the puzzle solving. No, I like I like this. I like seven a lot. I do. Hmm. It just I, I feel like uh, I, I know I can see I can see there's some improvements, but I didn't play two more than once back when it was new mm. and and. And then and and then I I got so frustrated with it because I I played it for hours, dude. I played it for fucking hours, and like I am fucking sick of this. This is not enough happens here, and like it's just me backtracking, f- trying to find fucking levers and medallions, and like this is all still very old school and and, and dumb. And <laughs> you're supposed to find the medallions as you go. Are you just ignoring all the the things where items? Dude, I'm I'm scouring everything. Everything I missed was the result of like. Oh, I missed this drawer in a corner, and it, and it labels everything for you now. Like this, this is a clover key lock. You'll come back here later. Mm. Except like where vital items are, or what vital items you need, and you have to check facts online, which I fucking hate. Hmm. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, like I, I do see like there, there were. Uh, uh, I was scared for the first time in a Resident Evil game that I haven't really been in a long time. So it was effective. Mm. Uh, great sound, looks fucking beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and and then for some reason I turned on The Last of Us because we were talking about what, what's our top five this week? Amazing opening minutes and and it's Amazing it's not just minutes. it's not just intros. This is these are all playable. These are games that kind of just try to take your breath away in the first few minutes of gameplay and do something really unique and special that in some cases is not paralleled by anything else that comes after it. Right. Cool. 
And I thought, I threw Last of Us in that mix, which we can talk about later, maybe, except that Michael probably didn't pick that one. We've talked about hmm. that intro to death, but yes, continue. Sure. <laughs> well, so, and I played that intro multiple times and, and found the rest of the game very dull. I'm not sure what happened, but everything clicked for me, and this became Masterpiece level. Wow. It it only bums me out that like it's I'm playing the remaster, and it is like, The Last of Us applies to, like this generation because this very much is like the last game of that generation mm-hmm. right it's prettier than anything that existed on ps3 in the universe in like is just barely dated but so much faster and better and like responsive than like re2 and then it had also occurred to me i'm playing like both plague games to the point where like i switched them and my girlfriend walked in she's like how's resident <laughs> evil 2 i'm like this isn't resident evil 2 i'm like and she explains why everything on screen is exactly what I was doing in Resident <laughs> Evil 2. And, and, and she can only see the back of the character's head. And it looks exactly ah, the same. And like, that is very, these are both fucking outbreak games in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, the only thing I found that didn't happen A, not a lot of explosions. B, uh, none of our cell phones, radio, or television have cut out dramatically at all. We have had consistent service across everything during our pan- our pandemic. Unless we have never had more reason to praise out. Comcast. My power went out today, and that was not fun. Uh, it's not yeah, because my- a coronavirus person bit the cord. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had any time to play through my backlog because I've been really? so busy getting all these great Easter eggs oh. in Animal Crossing. Oh, oh boy. Fishing, I pull up an egg instead of a fish. It's great. I've never seen mean, anything you mean, new. You mean trying to manage your so, inventory from so- all those eggs? <laughs> I'm so hooked on Last of Us. I'm like, I am so done with this fucking dollhouse. I can oh. I can handle like a week or two in Animal Crossing. And it's like, what am I doing? I, I see. I, look, so all dumb. of the backlash about this event is like you. It's clear these people are not people who've played these games throughout their the entire series. It's like, yeah, the events have always kind of been dumb and can get annoying and. Mm. You just, you don't, everyone's acting so fucking spoiled, like in this age of live games where Nintendo can actually patch things, which they did, and reduce the drop of the eggs. It's like, you've spoiled motherfuckers. If this was like the GameCube version or the Wii version, that would not have happened. It just, it it is what it is, because it's on the fucking disc. Like, get over yourselves, people. But I think think it's kind of annoying. I think the the difference is, because this game is so, like, resource, like, management style, like, you have to go. You have to go chop wood. You have to go hit rocks. What if you started your game in April as opposed to getting it on launch, right? Like, that's where it can get frustrating. It's like I want to be able to get rocks or get uh, iron core and not just get a stone egg or a ground egg. Like mm. it's 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 just a little. Much. It's called a fishing pole, not an egg pole. <laughs> that's not <laughs> or why does the called... egg move and bite the bait? I don't understand. <laughs> Well, why does the can or the boot or the tire do that? You know, like I, I the eggs have basically replaced those. It highlights my my personal problem with Animal Crossing, which I'm just not a guy who wants to build all my own shit. And that Animal Crossing, at the end of the day, has no end game or no goal. And this is Nintendo trying to provide one, and it's not sitting well for people. I, I because think it's the goal only... is that you get KK Slider to come play a concert. And that's, that, that, yeah, that's the credits actually goal. roll. Do yeah. they? Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it, that opens the game up. That's that's mm. actually kind of the end game of Animal Crossing is mm. the true game. It's when you hit level but, 30 and, uh, and then you start unlocking your battle pass. Yeah, what you become happens, a fucking Jedi. What the end game always was with previous games is you pay off 
all of your mortgages in terms of like when you do the expansions to your house, typically they'll give you some sort of like statue and mm-hmm. and then that's your end game. And getting basically the end game of Final of Final Fantasy of Animal Crossing is getting through a whole year and seeing every event and experiencing that game for about a year. Know, and then but then you're just, done with it. It, it, it. With the with the quarantine, it felt like nice. I'm going outside and I'm doing stuff. Now it just feels like capitalism in a nutshell. There's too much shit in here, and I have too much debt to hold it. And I never wanted this. I wanted to play a real game. Instead, I owe a raccoon thousands. <laughs> well, I can never uh, pay this up. It's because you it guys was, are playing it like you're coming in with different expectations of the yeah. typical animal. Bitch, crossing. I played the but, last but you can two pay Animal it Crossing off by selling his kids seashells and fruit that is free to go out and grab on trees. And yeah. and and I got to tell you. That's not very fun after, after a couple weeks. That really, like, I, I dude, I, I get I get bit every time, and then I hit this wall, and I think I'm I'm pretty much at the wall. Yeah, I will say this: so I haven't got a chance to go through my backlog, but I did get a game that came out last Friday, and that was Persona Five Royal. Oh, you got um, Royal, cool. I love like this. The update on this game is really great. Um, if you've played. So, my biggest gripe with Persona 4 Golden to Persona 4, it's like, it was a little bit of an upgrade to Persona 4, but not really a lot. This game, it completely changes the system. Uh, the attack system now, like, back, uh, usually in Persona, what you want to do is you want to go for the weakness for a shadow, and that's that's your big way of, of doing, like, an extra attack and everything like that. Um, in this game, they do not only weaknesses, but you could do technical attacks, so you can put an enemy to sleep, and then if you do an attack, it does extra damage to that. Um, a lot of systems that were, that were like, um, gated behind um, social links are not there anymore, like the follow-up attack, oh. um, or, like, the where you, like, a high-five and you you guys keep, like, growing and building up that attack. That's no longer gated of, like, oh, did you, were you and Ryuji best friends for, like, three times? Then you could do that. Like, it's no longer gated. That game works so much better now um they huh. made the metaverse a lot deeper there's a lot more things to look for like in each castle there's now these things called will seeds that you can look through that are kind of hidden behind these puzzles and then one big like one stronger shadow boss but it gives you a really cool like a really good you know um uh, equipment that you can wear and it will have a bonus onto it and then you can meet this other character in the mementos that will increase it and make it an even stronger version of what it is like, it's such a really, like, good remake. Like, if this was Persona 5, like the original Persona 5, this would be, like, probably the best game of this generation. It's well, such they, a they, really good They remake. didn't have enough time. Obviously. Right. No, I, I mean, yes, even though, like, it took forever, they literally probably should have waited another year and had it be this mm. game. I, I really, really enjoy it right now. Damn. That's that's so not the Japanese cool. way. Why why sell you, why wait and sell you one thing when we can sell you two things? Hmm. That's tip. That's JRPGs and like things like Monster Hunter. I'm giving Animal Crossing shit, but like I hit a wall with Persona too. Like, dude, enough! I can't keep doing this. Mm. Uh, I like the story, but there's a lot of gates in between this. Was was that wall in the Burger Dungeon? Because that's where it almost hit for me. Yeah, I don't remember. It's just that like I'm I can't be killed. I'm just doing nothing over and over again. That sounds like a fake mall restaurant name from the 80s or some shit we're gonna head down to the burger dungeon well to buy one get one free it's the burger ufo dungeon uh because <laughs> that's a, a burger magnet but what's another cool thing is like so usually if you go into the dungeon that's that's your day 
in this game, like, once you get home, it doesn't do the bullshit. It's like, oh, you're tired. You gotta go to sleep. It's like, oh, do you want to read? Do you want to <laughs> study before you go to sleep? Like, it literally, it streamlines a lot of the bullshit. It would, like, hold you be like, no, you decide to go to the dungeon. You don't get to grow this. Like, to say, no, this is not reasonable. Like, you should hmm. be able to go and do this. To the you're, point you're where... You're making me want to play it. <laughs> yeah, to the, <laughs> to the point where you can maximize and do everything in one go which is something that you could never do in a persona game you wouldn't be able to like max all your stats max everything yeah. and like you can do that in one playthrough that's crazy, that is what's that was great about this so game. infuriating for me like because like dude i'm like 50 hours in and i have 10 options here and none of them work it says you can't do this now <laughs> you can't do this now <laughs> you're tired you why do don't you go now. to sleep Real quick, Michael, to bring it back to our top five, yes, I've just two other backlog games that I, I've been working on that um, I know they're not on our list, but they easily could qualify. So I've, And they both, it's weird, they, they both have to, to do similar themes. So I was playing Metal Wolf Chaos XD, finished mm-hmm. that. Uh, excellent. And the beginning of that game, you basically break out of the White House in your giant mech, so yep. definitely Let's qualifies. Party! And then I've been playing Vanquish, uh, another game that starts off just bam, hit the hits the ground sliding. Yeah, it's like it, Normandy it was, Beach in space. <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, and in both games, yeah, kind of near future based. Some weird government stuff going on, and we mm-hmm. are you know we can get into that more. But in the meantime, we need to take a little break. After which, we will jump into our top five. So stay tuned. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. It's interesting how this has all been affecting us, starting with it was my birthday, your birthday, your son's birthday, and my dad's birthday during all of this. And two of our other friends' birthdays. That's uh, true. It's been absolutely crazy. And also totally boring. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, I keep calling it a slow-moving 9-11. Uh, yep. I should say that. Like, uh, we had to cancel all of our birthday things. And I feel the worst for your son. Because it's a, he's actually at an age where it matters. And Yeah. I mean, it was his first going to be his first year as a teenager. And I just told him we were going to have to push it off to the summer. But I don't know if I can even keep that promise. Son, can you put a cork in puberty for another year? (laughs) Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And welcome back to our Top 5 segment, where we'll talk about what? Banger Beginnings. The the Last of Us was overlooked by me. (laughs) Unforgettable Mm. opening minutes. Unforgettable. Beginning with a very timely, yet very ancient entry. Number 5. Ah, now we see the real reason we're doing this is the top five, because it ties in not only to Resident Evil 3, but this other week's big release. What is this? Final uh, Fantasy this, 7. Yes. Is this Final Fantasy this is the bombing. This is the bombing mission of original Final Fantasy 7. Yes, original yes. Final Fantasy 7, which 
Okay, I'll grant is not as impressive now as some of these other intros that we're going to talk about and that we could talk about. But it was then. Did this encompass the the Tobol demo? No. Yeah, this is the demo that came with Tobol number one. That's right. Yes, the original Tobol number one demo has the whole first. It's just like the demo that came out for the remake. It has okay. the whole first part of the bombing mission, but it has all it has all of this. This is in the Tobol thing, but this is the first time. It is not just you know. It's not just this opening. Like this, this whole the whole cinematic and everything was the first time we got to see like a new age Final Fantasy, yes. you know, on strong on on a strong platform doing something that we have never seen. Before. And and that yes. intro, like, so a lot of it is cutscene. We're not here to praise cutscenes, but it is kind of cool for the time that you begin with. Aerith on the street and it gradually pulls out and you see more of the street and all these people walking and cars going by and then it zooms out and you see Midgar this giant city and it does this big cool pan around and then it starts to zoom in on something very specific The these, train, the train. These sudden smash cuts to these train wheels. That was like that was really cool at the time. And uh, then the train pulls into the station, and then the, it it goes from cutscene to gameplay almost seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you're just playing. You're the characters appear and they're all weird and polygonal, but you're playing and you're running <laughs> around and you're getting into fights right off the train. There's no victory music here, which is unusual for Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. We still level up, but... Right. Yeah. Uh, which carried over into the remake demo, by the way. No victory music. Um, and I, w- I was just laughing because as you were playing that, I literally just finished the Final Fantasy remake demo. And it's amazing how much better the soundtrack sounds when it's full orchestral instead yes. of like a little MIDI version <laughs> of that. <laughs> so. But it's still like... So I... I really love this opening and uh cat bailey from us gamer uh fan of a uh, friend of the podcast uh like she she said before like this is one of the greatest openings in gaming and i i agree with her i love this opening because it's so operatic to it mm. right you come in yeah. and you have you have uematsu's like um opening final fantasy f- uh, fanfare which is in every final fantasy game especially up to this point and then you go right into bombing mission which is such a strong like heavy like heavy bass you know heavy bass track and it just it gets you pumped so there isn't any fanfare like you're on edge it's like hey this is a big thing we got to go 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 yeah. from the beginning from the jump it's such a really great strong open we're eco-terrorists we gotta fuck up some corporatist interests right it's like it's to me it's it is my favorite final fantasy opening because like i think the only thing that i enjoyed as much as this is like six's opening yeah with but like six that. is that weird mode seven shot with the Magitech suits trudging through the snow. Right. But that's the thing. Six's opening is like, it's not as playable because you have, you're sitting there for like five to 10 minutes of those mechs going through the snow. And it does feel very cinematic, but this thing, I think the reason the sevens I would say is better than sixes is it's, 
there's more urgency to it because you're playing right. through it and everything yeah. about it is like urgent. Like, no, you have to get, by the way, show of hands, who referred to it as Mako up until they played the, the remake yep. demo and Guilty. realized it's called Mako? Oh, it I, it like will like always Mako be Mako to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's always Mako. It's like, it's, it's like the Cecil Cecil thing. Mm-hmm. It will always be, mm-hmm. Ce- it will always be Cecil. It'll always be Mako. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Mako reactor, because the whole thing in this demo is you're going to blow up a, make, a, a Mako, as we know now, reactor, because you are part of a terrorist organization, or you're a mercenary hired by a terrorist <laughs> yeah, organization. Yeah. But the terrorists are the good guys. That's the important thing to remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it worked in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're rebels. You're striking a blow. And then it turns out that it's all a setup. You're the fall guys for the the corporation anyway. So that's one of the things I liked about Remake is it kind of contextualizes this and without kind of going really in-depth into uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, you know, they have a question of like, okay, what is the human cost of what we're doing with this eco-terrorism? But then you also see, like in the demo, you see that Shinra is the one who actually blows up the bomb. Mm-hmm. Which kind of like makes sense, like it's a small bomb, and like that those themes are being played with, and I I really like that about the remake is it kind of plays with those themes. Yeah. The one is one of the things I I I kind of don't like about Final Fantasy VII, where I love this opening and it has this very bombastic, and you have like these ideals and how do you grip with these ideals, and it goes far away from that, like towards the end of the game, like it doesn't thematically wrap itself around to that because it becomes then it becomes like a thing of fighting Sephiroth and Mm -hmm. what is life and how do you save the planet and what's the best for it but this opening like it gave a it gave a whole different thing of like here's what we need to fight for we're fighting for this the only thing I I dislike about this as it comes to the whole game is it just doesn't thematically stay together Hmm. yeah is this the I don't I doubt it's the first but it feels like one of the first storm the compound quote unquote openings in a video game which became kind of a trope after some point you know like you, you I feel like it's something that you do every so often in a game like oh I'm gonna go storm yeah. the compound well I think I think a lot of games begin with storm the compound thing like even even before this it's just like hey most most shooters most everything it's just like we're taking on the bad guys now better be ready to rock and roll Mm because here we go and this is maybe the first time that an rpg started like that like yeah with you know it has this big bombastic cinematic intro that immediately just goes into like urgent urgent gameplay run forward run forward kill everything and like as rpgs went like this was very action oriented there's no like you're starting off in your home village and oh no there's monsters outside what are you gonna do about it uh there's no tutorial like uh here's how to swing a basic wooden sword it's all just like you're in this you're you're a mercenary get going that's totally what i was about to say is like the the trope for most jrpgs is it starts off small and ultimately shows that like this this what you thought was just affecting this hero's world is actually this big grandiose story and no you're going to save the entire planet mm-hmm. versus 7 starts off big right away you know it's not right. just about oh you're starting off in your little vigi- village and you will eventually see how that ties to the whole world it's like no no you're you're starting off on a big scale and then right. if anything now, it gets personal because then it becomes kind of a revenge game with Sephiroth and you know so right no I, I, like i said i to me it's it's the evolution of the Final Fantasy 4 opening right because Final Fantasy IV, it's very similar. You're going to uh, Meridia and you're going to set off this bomb, right? But mm-hmm. instead of instead of you setting off this thing in a small village, it's you 
taking down like the big the big bad right so it, it's just it's such an ambitious opening yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just I really really like that game. I really like Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, I don't take that off. Well, I, yeah. as someone who like watched the demo and played the demo over and over again and has not actually played the game, I just I was talking to my friends who I grew up watching this with when it came out, and it's just like in a world before YouTube and trailers, there was no description that could prepare you for what Final Fantasy was about to do, and and it just I don't remember at a point where like. We wanted an update to what this looked like, but we didn't ask for all this. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it was it was it was incredibly striking that that period of games moving to 3D with no streaming video. You just you couldn't prepare yourself for it. People were calling friends over to your house to see it. It was astonishing. Yeah, that was one thing I I, I do remember playing this one is like because a lot of us got sold on this game from the commercials. I'm talking the original game now. Um the opening might have been the first time you saw how the game actually looked when you played it. And so there might have been like a little bit of a, wait a minute, that's not what I'm used to seeing in the commercials because they were all just the cinematics from the game, you know? Yeah. And you're well, like, they, why do these guys look so bad? They pulled the same trick in Final Fantasy VIII, which had, had even more disparity between the way that the characters looked in cinemas and the way they looked in gameplay. Mm-hmm. It's just like, here's, it, yeah, here's this rough polygonal stick figure versus here's Squall. <laughs> yeah but at least squall didn't have popeye arms mm, that's true that's true but i i felt like final fantasy 7's graphics were an evolution of what the 16-bit games had been like where it's like you have these squat childlike characters that are meant to represent adults and that like have always had very little resemblance to yoshitaka amano's paintings of what the characters were supposed to look like yeah. Right. But but yeah, it's like the, it it works because we're used to this from Final Fantasy, and then the, the series kind of tried to present like a more realistic take. Like, no, this is what the characters actually look like. This isn't just like a chessmen representation of them. Yeah, and then they made the the worst design decision for the next game, mm. and then fixed it in Final Fantasy Nine. So yep. that's always great. And then went back to it in ten, but correctly this time. Yes. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, yeah, Final Fantasy VII, amazing game. I'm sure we don't need to tell you that. Uh, but will the the remake be as amazing? I guess we'll actually talk about that next week because uh, we'll, we'll have we'll a chance only know to play about, it by then. We'll only know about a third of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But for now, let's move along to number four. What the hell, Bruce? <laughs> what is this? Uh, this is the Pick original pray. pray. Yeah, we got pray. to pray. Pray, had, we got to pray. Had, had one of the greatest cowbell. openings of all time, and I have never played very far beyond that, to be Oh, really? Honest. I beat yeah. this game. Oh, I love this game. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some fun pre-portal portal elements in that yeah, game. I, th- that are I think I tried going back to it a couple years ago and was just like, I'm my brain is so molded to Call of Duty controls now that I cannot wrap my mind around what this game is trying it, to do. It was, it was weird because it's one of those, I played this all the way through on a friend's high-powered PC, and by the time it, it was like a launch 360 game, 
launch E360 game, and it was like it did not do it justice mm. if you only played it there. But th- this was fucking mind blowing because, oh, yeah. like, not only was licensing songs not big at the time, like a, a song uh, that was vaguely it was familiar to me from the movie The Stone Age. Mm-hmm. Oh, and if you listen to Thirty Twenty Ten, the uh, gotta have more cowbell sketches. Twenty years old this week. <laughs> That's yeah, the one was. I was referencing with the, come on, Bruce. Although I love that you brought up the Stone Age, or as I used to call it back in the day, the poor man's Dazed and Confused. Yes. Because <laughs> that's yes. literally what it was. Hey, man, I talked her into giving you a blowjob. Cool. <laughs> what? Like, so the intro to your Prey girlfriend? Uh, <laughs> takes place on a reservation. You're you're like this this guy named Tommy who is Native American, and he, he really desperately wants to get off this reservation. His girlfriend doesn't want to. But uh, you begin the game just, it's like Silent Hill, where you're in the bathroom and you just look at yourself in the mirror, and immediately Tommy starts criticizing you, the player. What are you looking at? Real tough guy. Can't even tell her you love her. I gotta get off this damn reservation. If she'd just come with me, it'd all be different. It'd all be... Listen to yourself. Who do you think you're kidding? Yeah, don't worry. You're about to get off the reservation, whether either of you like it or not. Mm-hmm. That Don't Fear the Reaper clip uh, comes at the end of this sequence that sees you talking to your grandfather and your girlfriend in this bar, and you get into a fight with some bikers, and they're super gross. It's time for you boys to leave. After you've been wagging that pretty little ass at us? I don't think so. Hands off. Come on, one little kiss. Where's the harm in that? Ooh, where's that famous engine hospitality, huh? Don't touch her. All right then, Chief. You want it? Come get it. Uh-uh, it's on now. So yeah, you beat the shit out of some bikers, and then you like him. That biker sounds like an old prospector. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, hear there's Just some gold cheap. in them Nar Hills. <laughs> Come on there, Dally yeah. pal. Like it switches to an emergency broadcast system thing, and the the building starts to shake, and then all of a sudden the ceiling starts to dissolve. And there's like a giant spaceship above you. And yeah, Don't Fear the Reaper comes on the bar's jukebox and all of the furniture from the bar starts getting sucked up into the spaceship and you along with it. And uh, I should mention before this, like the bar is actually a pretty interactive place. You can walk around. There are playable video games sitting there. Like you can play video slots, I think. There. You have jobs to do in this bar. When my buddy sat me down to play this, I didn't know what this game was. Mm. Like, am I really mopping the bathroom? <laughs> Is that what's this? What's this game about? I didn't know I'd be watching my grandfather be murdered on an alien spaceship in like ten minutes. Oh yeah, here we go. Grandfather, oh my God, homie, you must go. Hang on, I'll try to stop this thing. Oh, no, I shall wait. Oh my god, no! No! Yep, he gets, I guess, I don't know what the alien machines are doing, actually. They seem to be, like, sucking the fluids out of people. But it's bad yeah. scene. I don't know. It's ritualistic murder for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aren't yeah. you, like, on a conveyor belt type system or something? Yeah, and like then there's on? there's an explosion, and your little coffin pod gets knocked off. And so you, you're set free, and you try to find 
your your girlfriend and your grandfather and you you witness your grandfather's death you're too late to save him and uh then you're you're all about fighting the aliens and you've got other other people or aliens who are trying to help you and there there's just a bunch of really weird surreal shit like you yeah uh, man because what it is, man, is the greys help you out, man. It's actually the red aliens are evil, man. This isn't actual stuff I've heard on, like, coast-to-coast Art Bell radio and shit. That yeah. there's multiple oh, Art aliens. Bell is in the game. That's kind of striking. Of course too. he is. Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah, right. that that is, was kind of a cool inclusion. And, and you can, like, pass by radios and listen to them talking, like, hearing, like, stories about the UFOs from people who are out there witnessing them and that's yeah. pretty cool but yeah. somehow it didn't really it didn't really have much of an impact when the 2017 version had George Norrie in it mm. that is an Art Bell joke ladies and gentlemen yes <laughs> uh, I don't know I keep washing the skies out I don't know what Art Bell sounds like <laughs> and and the 2017 parade had a pretty good intro too where it, it was a little bit like uh, Half-Life's intro which we won't talk about because it's aged kind of poorly but like you, you wake up in this luxury apartment and get a helicopter ride and uh, go into work. And uh, eventually you find out like, oh, this was all fake, like set up with projection screens and stuff. It's all a big con. What's going on here? Mm. Why am I being ca- held captive like this in this illusion? We're all in the Matrix, baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a very interesting explanation behind that that I won't spoil. But uh, onto the original. Yeah, I, yeah, it was a really cool intro. Yeah, yeah. and I think uh, like everybody remembers the Don't Fear the Reaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fucking powerhouse going through the alien conveyor belt was kind of like, I don't know. That was the real Half-Life 2 for me Yeah, at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, that was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're seeing all this shit and like stopping mm-hmm. off and watching other people get slaughtered, and mm-hmm. you just you yeah. can't control anything. You're just witnessing I it. Loved it. I mean, this game sort of gets a bad rap now, but I I really liked it at the time, and I thought the stuff they did with the portals, where mm-hmm. you would go into this like spirit realm and and you would like learn powers that then you could take back and and use it. And it's not a bad FPS, like the gameplay, yeah. the shooting itself was fun. Well, but know, then so. the the portals would let you do stuff like oh, there's a portal inside this crate that will uh, let you go to a different area in the room or that will uh, put you inside this little glass display case on which there's this floating globe, but now you're tiny on the globe and you're running around this round level shooting at aliens that are also tiny while you're... You are the Indian in the cupboard. Yeah, like big aliens are looking in at you. Like, that, that was a really cool moment. How dare you be the first show to mention any in the cupboard? Tune into Laser Time next week. That, 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 seriously. I loved those books as a right. kid, and I'm sure they're super racist now. The movie the movie takes some steps yeah. to distance itself. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Hey, we, we, we discussed it. That movie is fine. It's a good movie. Okay. All right. I'll take your word for it. Hot take, uh, the Native American representation in Night at the Museum is just an updated Indian in the cupboard. There, I said it. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I, I see that. But does it have Gene Gene the Dancing Machine? That is how you plug something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. It does have Thank a Darth you. Vader cameo, or maybe that's the sequel, I forget. And RoboCop. Yeah. And the Jurassic Park. Yeah, no one talks about this movie. It's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move along to... Number three.
that is the sound of someone dying in space. Mm. What could this be? That'd be Shepard. Uh, yeah. of Shepherd. the Mass Effect oh, Shepard. Yeah. <laughs> Mass Effect 2. Uh, no, that's right. The yeah, one yeah. you fought for, Matt? Hello? I was on I was on Matt's side for this. I, I think yeah. Mass Effect 2 is a great opening, mm-hmm. especially when you didn't play Mass Effect 1 because you had a PlayStation 3. So you got oh, a, my a gosh. Fun, <laughs> you got to have that fun interactive comic. Um, mm. I, it, I just... I thought Mass Effect 2 had a very, like, good... Like, it just, like... From the from the jump, it just like gets you into into the system, like, into like shit, like the Normandy's being attacked, and then you get saved by the elusive man. Like it was just such a really just strong opening. But but you you hadn't played it, you hadn't played one because I've always wondered like the reason to me it was such a beginning is is or beginning of a game is I had spent so much time with those characters in Mass Effect One. It was shocking to be like, wait, that he's he's dead and the ship is blown up. Like that is. What a hell of a way to start a game, you know, where, but, right. but someone like you who had not played one because you didn't have the system, like, did yeah. you have any emotional attachment at that point? Were you just like, no, what the hell's going I, on? So I had played, I had played, um, through the Rachni Queen part of Mass Effect 1. I very famously did not care for it. I mm. think that the, um, the Mako, uh, the ship stuff mm-hmm. was really uh, awful. I believe it's pronounced Mako. It's, it's Mako. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hate it i hate it already um uh, but no I, I thought that stuff was awful um and yeah and i i just really never got a chance to get fully into it so i never got a chance to ver- the, the all the way through vermeer and all that other stuff so when i got to mass effect 2 i didn't like initially have a strong attachment to shepherd or the crew whatsoever um, <laughs> it's a little funnier though the fact that they make you do this interactive comic, and so you're like, oh cool, now I have this backstory of these characters, and then they blow your shit up. They, they, yeah, they swat it out of your hands like a twelve year old. Well, okay, so it's the kid. other, it's the other way around. So everything blows up, and then it's like, huh, just another day in space. Hi, I'm Shepard. Here's my backstory. <laughs> yeah, I bet you're wondering how I got here. The, the ship explodes, <laughs> zooms on his face. This. Is me. <laughs> exactly. Or as Miranda puts it. Commander Shepard has been recovered. The Lazarus Project will proceed as planned. Yeah, so I, th- to, I think to, playing, like you said, Matt, playing through the first game is what makes the this intro especially meaningful. Because, like, yeah, yeah you're watching... Everything that you worked for in the past game, it's a little bit like Assassin's Creed Brotherhood that way. It, you, like, everything you be, you worked for is just being destroyed by this new enemy that you don't even know who it is or why they're attacking you. Cruiser is changing course. Now on intercept trajectory. Can't be. Stealth systems are engaged. There's no way a Geth ship could possibly... It's not the Geth. Brace for evasive maneuvers! Yep, so it's just like new big ass foe that you weren't anticipating comes and fucks your shit right the fuck up. But yep. I think it I think it is still impactful, like again, coming from someone who doesn't have this emotional attachment to this crew, like it is a game that's openly like, Oh hey, you're on a ship. Here's your catalyst. Like, you're being attacked, you don't know what it is, and you really don't know what it is, and then when you get after the Lazarus stuff and you meet up with Jacob, like you're just now you're just fully into it. And to me, it just felt like very fresh to be really into it. I didn't feel 
out of my element until after this opening bit when you run into Tali. I, I just I remember I took the appointment at E3 for Mass Effect 2 and just the fucking smugness of the developers after like because they they cut you off at like Shepard's dead and he's like and that's what we're doing yeah what do you what, oh, what do you want they, they were the demo? That. they oh were kind God. of sprint about that. that because it like spread rumors that like oh you died you have to make a new character we're not telling well, I mean, I think that's that's the brilliant. It's the thing I say about people pissed at the ending is like you were given the illusion you had all these choices, and this is a, but you never did, and this is a clever way they kind of set a lot of things back to default, right? To start everybody fresh from Mass Effect, you are you are for all intents and purposes a new Shepard. Redesign your hair or your gender, right? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. You're just you're a resurrected. It doesn't even have to yeah. look like the last Shepard, like the. I think even, like, the mix between two and three, like, three, it's like, hey, you're the same person. But one mm. to two, it's, you literally died. You fucking died. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yep. But and interestingly, because- you're not a clone. Like, you get to see that great sequence where they jab needles into your desiccated gray meat and and bring it back to life. So it's like, you know, you're, you're the same matter. So you're you're not just a copy. But, uh, yeah, you're you're, like, the first being to ever be resurrected and, uh, and i'm sorry first michael <laughs> right around easter season my no friend. this is this is a science game <laughs> takes place in a science universe where only science things happen yeah. <laughs> boris johnson will be the new jesus this season mark my words mark my words because this is the year i get nothing that i want and <laughs> Sorry, Boy, fingers crossed I, that uh, nothing happens to him by the time this airs, because we will look like assholes. Yes, sir. And, uh, eh, leave it in. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I, I took the appointment. I just assume they're full of shit. They're lying. They're not going to do this. And now I kind of have a on a game on a design level of why they did it. It's you know you have some personality choices to make everybody's gameplay a little unique, but it was it was pretty much to start everyone fresh because the multi platform issue. It, Mass Effect 3 is the one that's like r- really carried everything over. Right. And yep. but, mm-hmm. but still but still it was it's it it was a fucking impactful way to like begin the goddamn game and especially introduce a new hierarchy of villainy and what with a uh what not the nowhere man you just said his name the elusive, the elusive man. The elusive man fucking Martin Not Sheen. to be confused Beautiful. with the cigarette smoking man, although he does mm-hmm. sit in space and smoke cigarettes constantly. Or, yeah, or the coconut counting man from Sesame Street. That's <laughs> Harry Belafonte. You know, you mentioned the, the publishing thing. It's probably worth reminding people because it's been so long. So for those of you who maybe didn't join that series right away, the first game was was a Microsoft title, first party. Right. And then yeah. EA acquired BioWare, and then they got the rights to publish it, and then they went multi-platform. And so it was this weird thing of, like, like TL was saying, a lot of people couldn't join that series until uh, 2 because it wasn't on their platform. Right. It's hard to feel bad for the people who's like, nah, I'm going to stick with a $600 system with no games. Well, first of all, some people <laughs> like to play sports games, and I'm sorry, sports games are better on PlayStation. And those were not have my NCAA title, so... You are not I, helping. <laughs> no one's pit- giving you any more pity for that. I want to like pl- football. What I wanted hard? to play Haze and Heavenly Sword, so sue me. Um, uh, but no, it, it was... It was such a like I said. It was I had I'd take it forever. <laughs> Why? <Hayes? laughs> um, I let that I, go. But <laughs> Hayes was a okay game that came no. out when 
Hayes they had is a gay some wife. very interesting ideas. <laughs> Hayes, Someone's taking too much nectar. Hayes was a game I talked myself into playing a lot more. Uh, but no, so <laughs> Mass Effect 2, like, and, and I'd, I'd push it off because I'd always hear about it. Oh, it's so great. And I just pushed it off, kept on pushing it off. And then, like I said, I just ended up picking it up. And then it just got, I, I it, it grabbed me from the word go, which was I wasn't expecting from it. And I, I think this is a, I think, like I said, even without the context of that previous game, it's a strong opening. And having gone back and played Mass Effect One and then this game, it's an even you know it's still a strong opening. I, I yeah I don't know like I said I think it, to me it's my favorite Bioware opening to any game that they've ever done. Well, the uh, one opening was slow. Then. Let's admit it. Like one one yeah. started really slow. Yeah. And so this was probably like Chris was saying it was their chance to have a reset button, but also probably a response to some of the feedback they gotten from one, which was uh, the Mako segments are terrible. Um, not going to change the name. Just always going to call Mako now. And then two, Mako. like it did start really slow. And so they're like, all right, you want to give us that feedback? Here you go. But, Boom. Yeah. Unlike the first game was instantly captivating and interesting. Yep. It's yeah. an, it's an no doubt interesting to do to kill your protagonist immediately. Yep. And didn't and then it get immediately you bring them back? <laughs> didn't it get you to a space station right after that too? Like after that segment, like mm-hmm. the first place you, you go is like a space station where you're interacting with a bunch of different alien races. Cause that was always one of the most fun things too, about those games is seeing all the alien races all there in the stations and stuff. Mm. Excited. Yeah. I think yeah. the first, <laughs> the yeah, I think one, like the first thing is like you go to Ilium and it's just like, Hey, here's this thing. Instead of like the first game where it's like, here's the Citadel. Would you like to stand on this yes. elevator for 20 <laughs> minutes as you go up and down? It was like, built it, by these weird bug creatures. You can't talk to. Mm hmm. <laughs> but the best conversations happen in elevators so i don't know what your problem is man yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like in the gears world the best conversations happen as we're slowly walking mm-hmm. trudging it's called trudging, trudging. it's yeah. a gameplay mechanic <laughs> uh, <laughs> you need to <laughs> label it correctly I, n- I never got through mass effect 2 but you know what game i did get through what, what? number two brothers Put aside the petty grievances that have splintered us for so long. We will unite. We will stand together. And I will wipe out this plague. Olympus will prevail. Oh, timing, man. What game is this? Uh, That would be The God of War. Yes. Number three. El Trace. Yes. Number three. So God of War, I wanted to throw a spotlight on because, okay, three was a big deal, but God of War always, always, always made a huge splash right at the beginning. Uh, the mm-hmm. very first game was you fighting the fucking Hydra in the middle of the Aegean Sea on a shipwreck, and it was massive. And the second game was you fighting the Colossus of Rhodes. And <laughs> yeah. and then, like, they did the, the PSP games, like these big battles with, like, uh, Scylla, I think, was in Ghost, or Ghost of Sparta. I almost said Ghost of Sparta, unironically. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> God of War goes to Sparta. Kratos goes to Sparta. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Kratos goes Hawaiian. Um <laughs> It might happen. You never know. Uh, but then God of War 3 like really tried to up the ante. And they, they talked about this thing before release called Titan Gameplay, where the Titans themselves are going to be levels. And really, that only panned out in a couple points in the game. Uh, and 
you could sort of see what the trick was that it's just like, all right, this is really just like, like an enclosed area that you're fighting in, but we're pretending it's on the shoulder of the Titan Gaia as she's climbing because you can see all this stuff happening around you in the background that uh, suggests a massive scale. But yeah. then it's going to move around like the disc from that Flash Gordon movie where they're doing yes. the fighting and that. Yeah, and it's, it's wobbling. So, the, yeah, that was kind of cool. We had moving. Uh, level geometry even if it didn't have a huge effect on gameplay but it was still really cool to see and it got even cooler when uh, Poseidon and his scorpion limbed water horses showed up you challenge me mortal the god of Olympus the true warrior does not hide Poseidon leave the sea and face me you have disrespected the gods for the last time, Kratos. But yeah, the the first part of God of War 3, where you're just kind of climbing up the foothills of Olympus, uh, is is just this really cool thing. Well, actually, you're almost at the apex of it, and then I think you get struck down like after you beat up Poseidon, and you wind up in Hades again, like, all right, I have to climb all the way back up by myself. Because I'm just an implacable man who uh, can't be dissuaded, even though everybody who's still on my side is saying, like, this is a bad idea. You should stop this. You should think about what you're doing. Look, don't, don't kill your dad just because he's an asshole. Look, at this time, Kratos hadn't gone through anger, manage and anger management and mm -hmm. it moved out of a very toxic area. Yeah. Uh, so he was still still a little bit of a rage demon. He's, he's young. He was, what, 45 years old of Something a, of a like demigod? That, yeah. He uh -huh. was kind of a young demigod, so it's understandable. Wasn't in the habit of saying, boy, yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He didn't, he didn't birth a god yet, so he was yeah. just like, I, I still have all this bits of anger. I'm Kratos. Yeah, I'm Kratos. I'm, I'm angry because I'm sad. Because <laughs> I want someone to kill me so that I stop feeling the pain of killing my wife and daughter. But nobody will. I can't die. I just fight my way back out of Hades. What's wrong with me? That is a trope I'm so glad is kind of gone. It's just the, hey, I'm immortal, so I'm just angry all the time and no one can kill me thing. I'm really glad that trope is kind of gone. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's most 80s slasher movies. That it's like they, they posit that there are immortal beings in the universe, and these beings want nothing more than to kill people in increasingly brutal ways. Like, what does that say about anything? It's true. Hmm. If you can't die, you might as well be a harbinger of death, right? Yeah, you got all the time in the world on your hands. Why not just stalk and kill teens for no reason? They're too sexy for their own good. That's mm -hmm. what that is. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I, I loved God. I think all the God of Wars, they just, like, all their openings are, it, we talked about, like, with the Mass Effect 2, it's just, like, they're all really bombastic uh, mm -hmm. opening, like, like movie openings, right? And that's what, like, the great thing about God of War. I think that's also what kind of, like, dissuaded me from God of War, uh, the remake, like, or the remake, the the far future flung God of War. Yeah. 2018, you're right. Um, was that it was a lot more, it was a lot slower I think it was still as effective, but it was a lot slower because it's like, hey, we're trying to get you into this different mold. Where I'm used to God of War, like, fuck it, uh, 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 Athens is on fire, go in there and fuck something up. Like, I, mm -hmm. that's what I'm used to, yeah. right? And well, 2018, kind of different. 2018 does start a little slow because it it has to have a tutorial because it plays completely differently than the other God of War games. But 
after about 15, I guess the tutorial, let's say, let's say it takes 15 to 20 minutes. There's a big, huge fucking fight scene where it does, it opens yeah. with a bang. But, if, if but you include, see, it doesn't, it's not the quite the spectacle of like, oh, I'm fighting a massive monster now. It's I'm fighting a wiry tattooed guy who turns out to be really fucking tough. Right. Yeah, well, you like throw a dude into a mountain. Yeah, like it, it, it gets pretty epic, and then he quickly. throws the mountain right back at you. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's big, but just in a different way. Yeah, 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 for sure. But yeah, God, God of War three, I think, made a very big splash right at the beginning. Correct me if I'm wrong. The ending of two, he was climbing Mount Olympus to fight Zeus, and it almost had yes. like kind of a serial ending where you're like, well, wait, how can they? They start the next game with that, you know. It, it was like the cliffhanger, like tune in next episode. Well, no, he wasn't. Wasn't he on Gaia to go yes. fuck up Zeus? Yeah, because yes. like, yeah, because he went back in time. Yeah, he, yeah, he, 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 go, he, go, he went back in time. He kills Athena on accident, and then Zeus is like, "Dog, what's up?" And then he's right. like, "I'm going to fuck you up with the Titans." But and you yeah. knew. But you kind of knew. Well, wait, they can't just have him fight Zeus to start three. So you knew something would have to happen to knock him down a few pegs so that there would be an excuse to play through an entire game. But it did, mm-hmm. they did kind of swerve you that way. They're like, oh no, this three, you're gonna, this is where you're finally gonna fight Zeus. It's, it's all been leading up to this. And it's like, well, wait a minute. They can't start with that though. But they still yeah, managed I, to make I, it feel big because you are riding right. Gaia up Mount Olympus to try to reach Zeus, you know? Yeah. I, like I said, I think there's so many, like, I think three, Time has not been as kind to three as I think it should be. Like three had some really great moments. I mean, you had that. You had the 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 second person murder scene where you're just like yes. beating the shit out of Zeus with your it's, bare well, hands. Well, like in the beginning, it has a second person murder scene where you're like uh, beating up Poseidon and you get to gouge out his eyes while you're looking <laughs> out of them. The player. Yeah, it's just oh, it's so many great moments, and then Kevin Sorbo as Hercules, and like mm-hmm. you find out like Hercules is like madly like jealous of Kratos, like it's ah, uh, that game is a lot, it's a lot better than people like like remember it. I think yeah. that game like held up really well. Yeah, like that was after they got Harry Hamlin to play Perseus, like the original Perseus from <laughs> right. Clash of the Titans. Yeah, yeah, that was great. No, I hate that. I hate yeah. when people look, they look back on games like. Even God of War 1 through 3 were best-in-class action games, right? But they have a bad rep just for some other reasons having to do mostly with this this teen angst that we've been talking about with, with Kratos where it's mm-hmm. like, no, don't – you can't, though, label that entire game bad. Like, it was still a fun-as-hell game, and the intro is no exception. It was really fun. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, certain elements of it have not aged as well, but that's okay. But God of War 3, great, great intro, but clearly not as great as – Try to avoid confrontations. Our goal is to collect evidence on Metal Gear development and expose it to the world. It would be best if you could get out of there without alerting anyone. Don't worry. I know the drill. We're not terrorists. Very good. Don't you forget that you're part of philanthropy now, an anti-Metal Gear organization and officially recognized by the UN. Recognized, but still fringe, Otacon. All right, making it a little bit obvious. You there. you best recognize Alakon. Yeah. Uh, does this <laughs> which Metal, Metal Gear. Gear is this? Is this two? Not solid yeah, Metal two? Gear Solid Two. Um, also known as the only reason anyone bought Zone of the Enders was to play through this intro. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that came with it on the demo disc. That for a little while there was like it kind of seemed like this is that everyone was playing. Like the Onion did a story about. 
this demo disc it's like video game character wonders what he did to offend god and it's just all about solid snake being repeatedly killed in this demo yeah it's like at one point i just rushed all these guards with riot shields and pistols what was i doing well that 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 was the demo where it was like Mm-hmm. It, 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 it was a decent length, but because we had to wait so long for two, I just remember that was a demo. It was all about experimentation. Like, well, can I do this? Yes. Can I do this? Mm-hmm. I'm going to try this. Yeah. And that's kind of like when I played the Final Fantasy VII demo, that's sort of what I was hoping for. And it's just like, oh, no, this is very linear. There's really no room for ex- experimentation. Whereas uh, the Metal Gear Solid 2 Tanker demo was a kind of a large area with like a lot of cool physics stuff. You could experiment with, you could discover things like, oh, if I shoot these guys and drag them over to these gates on the side of the ship, I will pitch them into the water and I will never have to worry about them again. Or uh, I can sneak up on guards like so. Freeze. (gasps) You walk up behind them, you pull your gun, you say freeze, and then they have a hands up and then you can you can switch into like first person mode and hold them up and like point your gun at various body parts to make them uh shake and drop dog tags and things uh, they might wet themselves because they get so scared yes uh, it might actually make you feel a little bit bad but but that's your introduction to the game like after the you know, because it's Metal Gear, fairly long-winded cutscenes and and codec conversations. Like, okay, now you're set loose and just do whatever the fuck you want. Well, it's great, so, and it was a fantastic follow-up to what you could do in the first game. So, so you're right. The gameplay was great, and the other thing that that we should mention is like, then after this sequence, it becomes a completely different game that pissed a lot of people mm-hmm. off because then oh, it becomes yes. the right thing. But the reason I was like, no, this has to make the list is you. One of the criteria you gave us is like, when you think of the game, this is what you should think of as the intro. Mm-hmm. And when I think of two, I don't think of all the write-in stuff. I think of snake smoking a cigarette on a bridge diving off in the in the rain yeah. diving off the George and, Washington bridge specifically yeah, and landing on that tanker and then that opening up that this this demo or, or this opening sequence to the game like to me that is when I think Metal Gear Solid 2 I think of that dive and then just the game starting on this tanker it's like it's so iconic like that intro you know like him smoking in that rain parka and then the parka whips off and flutters in the wind and then you're diving and it's like holy shit this is so cool yeah this is such a great showcase for what the PS2 could do like a year after its launch Mm-hmm. Like th- this was like the must-have game of 2001. I remember like picking it up at GameStop and being all excited for it and getting it home and well, like, oh man, play the shit out of this. Who is this guy? So several Metal Gear games I think could have made this list. At one point, Michael, we were entertaining Solid One. Yes, I... which uh, has some brilliant stuff right at the beginning. I have to take the elevator to the surface, but make sure nobody sees you. If you need to, contact me by codec. The frequency is 140.85. When you want to use the codec, push the select button. When we need to contact you, the codec will beep. When you hear that noise, press the select button. One of the first games to really break the fourth wall by telling yeah. you yeah. what buttons to push. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think that opening the Shadow of Moses is just so strong. Like I didn't, so I didn't play Metal Gear Solid 2, uh, so I don't have like that right, like that connection. But demo? I do to one. I, di- I didn't. Um, I didn't. Um, when I was when that came out, there was also Final Fantasy X, mm. and I I decided that's where I was going to go. 
Um, I regret it, but that's okay. Ten's that's where, great. That's where my high Ten's went. great. Great. Ten is fine. What um, was that I intro? Was played. that a Blitzball match? Yes, that one. It's a bad <laughs> intro. Ten has a terrible, <laughs> terrible and intro. And you're going to show off the worst part of the game right away. Well, you want to know how bad that intro is. They basically reproduced it in Kingdom Hearts 1, where you start off mm. on the beach from Final Fantasy Ten. So mm-hmm. just yep. throwing that out there. Yep. Um, yep. But the other, the other final fa- or the other Metal Gear that I could have nominated is the intro to Five, which gets a now I, I didn't I don't mean the demo that was I mean, a separate game. It's striking. It's unforgettable. Uh, well, it I, gets a bad rep. It's a lot not of one that you it. ever want to repeat, and I've had to play through it like four or five times now. It's quite long. It's true, yes. but. It is one of some of the most tense moments I've ever had in any Metal Gear game were in that opening hospital sequence of five. Like where you – well, you find out it's not him. The, the whole piss yourself sequence and all that where you're, you're pretending to be dead in a hallway and the, as these like guards are going around just putting bullets in corpses to make sure they're dead. You're like, oh shit, doesn't matter if I play dead. They're going to come kill me. Or you're sneaking. We're like literally between – little partition curtain off things in a hospital room as they're like looking in the other partitions it's it's so stressful and then it ends with the the man on fire like coming after you and you're like yep dude it's, that is yeah. pretty cool and then uh revolver ocelot your enemy for the first four games swoops in to save you on horseback <laughs> yes <laughs> it's pretty pretty memorable but yes i know the reason i i think you know, I, I would go for two over five is because five pissed so many people off because it is so, it's overly long. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah, it's a little bit of a a little bit of a slog. Yes, let's be honest. But I'm trying but to yeah, remember two, the intro to still... four. I remember the intro level to four where there's a lot of mm-hmm. mechs mooing like cows and you're learning yeah. your camouflage suit. Mm-hmm. But I, I think two is the strongest also because like like you said, we we could play it a lot. There was a lot of experimentation. There was a lot of cool physics stuff going on that wasn't present in a lot of other games at the time. Uh, I remember like going into the, the bar in the ship and just like shooting all the bottles and they would individually shatter in ways that seemed very realistic at the time. The ice melted, Michael, the ice melted, the the ice melted. I remember shooting uh, bags of flour because the cloud it produced was so cool looking. I remember just like rolling into guards with shields and knocking them over. Was 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 that the first one where you could put up a dirty mag and the guards would basically get distracted as if they were jerking? Mm, I think you could do that in the first one too. Yeah, okay. But this was the first one where there was like a locker with a pinup in it. Yeah. And if you uh hid inside it and hit the codec uh button, you would call Otacon and Snake would just be panting and Otacon's like, What do you think you're doing, Snake? You don't have enough to keep you busy. Try to remember the mission if you can. <laughs> I think he has to be you have to be looking at the poster to do that. It's like it's, Well, if you close yourself in the locker, you will be by looking default. at it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's so dumb. <laughs> yeah. Those games have always had that weird sense of humor. But no, the two yeah. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid 2 opening unforgettable just for both the cinematic elements and then the gameplay mo- uh, elements themselves. And yeah, the yeah. game to many people went downhill from there. So it is a, a very <laughs> memorable intro sequence. I would say, like, the reason why you wouldn't do, like, a, a three or a four, and it's not like they're not memorable. Well, three is memorable. Four, for other reasons. But I think they are just mainly cinematics. Like, mm-hmm. I think with four, like, you could... I could start Resident Evil 4 and walk away and then be back in, like, in, you know, a half hour and still be in the tutorial of them Me- doing you the mean whole Metal talking Gear, about... 
I mean, Metal Gear 4, yes. Yeah. What Although Resident Evil 4 also had a great intro with uh, the villagers. <laughs> I said Resi 4, didn't I? Uh, Dr. Metal Salvador. Gear 4. Resi. Uh, well, the reason I wouldn't throw Resi. 3 on there, 3 just had too many mechanics it was trying to teach you. It was very mm. tutorial. It was like, okay, we got to teach you about the camo system, and we got to teach you about the actual snake eating that is in the name of this game. And, and so it's mm. there was a lot of gameplay stuff, and it felt a little slower, I thought, than the other games. Sure. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, is it the... The best intro sequence of all time? We seem to think so. There are a bunch of others that were candidates for this list and didn't make it. Indigo Prophecy is a personal favorite where you just wake up in the middle of a murder scene that you apparently committed and you have to figure out, like, how do I cover my tracks? Do I drag the body into the stall? Do I uh, do I try to mop up? There's a mop there. Or do I just wash myself and leave this bloody mess behind for someone else to find? Do I... Pay my sit back down and pay my bill because I'm at a diner and I just walked out of the bloody restroom. Yeah, uh, and and yeah, there's all these cool variables that then like the next chapter you are playing as the police investigating the crime scene and you they will remark on everything you did or did not do. Yeah, like that's a really cool intro. I think that might be the best thing that David Cage has ever created. Uh, Bioshock um, is another one that that makes mm-hmm. a lot of these types of lists that I. My only problem with it is, is it's very, it's more cinematic than anything else. It's like, yes, you, you do control your character as you're off the crash plane and you find the lighthouse. But then once you're in the bathysphere, I think it's called, mm-hmm. you're, you're just watching yeah. cool scenery go by. Yeah. 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 I think that's the, that's the thing with both Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite. It's like, they're very strong, um, you know, and touching openings, but it is very much, hey, did you want to see Rapture or um, Columbia? Here it is. Like, yeah. here's what you're about to go. You know, you're about to go and and interact with. Well, they're, um, they're like mirror images of each other, which is kind of cool. That like right. going going down into the bathysphere to the dark, corrupted undersea kingdom, or going up in the rocket to this, you know, glowing uh, city in the sky that has all sorts of horrifying secrets. Well, well, even the more opposite. It's like the one and two are based in in the city that's in ruins right whereas mm-hmm. infinite when you start it's very much like in its prime still it's an active yeah. lively yeah. city you know? mm-hmm. it's just full of racists and jingoists well if, if three oh. is, if, if, if infinite's going to shine anywhere it's that it's the intro is the best in my opinion the best part of infinite mm-hmm. oh it, it, it was the thing I, I love i love that game but it was the thing where i think like i i don't think i've been like just aghast at a game where it's like oh you're taking your coffee a little dark these days i was like Wait a minute! Excuse me. What? Like it? <laughs> so that was definitely like I was. It, it got my hooks. I love that game. Yeah. I love Infinite a lot. But that has been our top five badass, unforgettable opening moments. We're gonna take a little break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about some new releases, some new, some other stuff. So stay tuned. Get scratching. Hello, fellow nerf herders. Did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-host Jeremy and Adam beg to differ. Except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars, with a big giant question mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash laser time. Here's a little taste. My funky. Footage. Does anybody... 
he remember the show Total Request Live, oh, other, yeah. otherwise known as TRL. Oh, Heck yeah. yes. TRL was a show on MTV that would count down the best music videos as voted on by the public. You mean Marilyn Manson and Eminem? Yes. Eminem. <laughs> yes, we got LFO talking yeah. about Summer Girls. Macaulay Culkin was home alone. That is the worst fucking rap I've ever... Anyway, uh, TRL, like a bunch of people outside screaming for their favorite music videos and being allowed to vote on them from home right. uh, via the internet and via mostly telephone at this point. Yeah. And on the 3rd of March in 1999, about three months before Star Wars comes out, MTV premieres the music video for John Williams' Duel of the Fates. <laughs> and for 11 days, this appears in the top 10. Imagine you're in a world like, I can't see any more Star Wars footage than what's in the trailer. You're saying you have more for me in yeah. addition to yes. a choir and an 80-year-old man conducting an orchestra? But I'm going to call MTV and ask you to play that all the time. <laughs> this is Dave Holmes in Times Square introducing the Duel of the Fates music video for clearly not the first time. <laughs> uh, yeah. but a person in Times Square, like in person. Yeah, we love Star Wars so much. Came all the way from Michigan to New York City with a group of college students, uh-huh. and instead of going to the bar last night, we went to Toys R Us to get some Star Wars toys. Are you kidding me? Oh, no. You are such a geek, Stacy. Yeah, I am a geek. That's awesome. I'm so proud of you because I'm a geek too. I have to stock up on those. So you're ready to check a third look at the uh, the Star Wars video. Are you ready? Oh yeah. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Very well. Let's take another look. Somebody orchestra conducted by John Williams. This is Duel of the Fates. It is the only orchestral song of any kind to appear on MTV's TRL. But like again, with the people with no internet, like dude, show the Star Wars footage again. Again, yeah, like, look at his face. I know. I was going to say, his eyes say that's not a request; it's a demand. Uh, Oh, that's sick of Star Wars, available exclusively at patreon.com slash lasertime, along with weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts, and more for just five bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show, Sick of Star Wars, an angst-ridden podcast saga told in nine parts. Listen long and prosper. This is so wizarding. And welcome back to our final segment, where we will anxiously get into this week's massive, well, actually quite small crop of... Final Fantasy VII Remake is obviously the biggest thing going this week, but none of us have played any more than the demo at this point. We've read a couple reviews, though, and I cannot wait to see what this fucking turn is at the end of the game. Ooh, there's a turn? Have they have yeah. they said like what, roughly what content it covers from the original game? So this is all this is all through Midgar. So you're going to basically be doing uh, the first two reactor stuff, uh, the stuff with Don Cor- uh, Corneo, mm-hmm. uh, the sewers, and then into the raid on Shinra's uh, Shinra's uh, corporation. Okay, uh, which will lead into obviously uh, the big reveal. Um, so what I've heard and I've so I've been really kind of invested. You're not going to spoil whole... anything, are you, dude? I'm not. I'm not. That's 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 my my big goal right now is not to spoil anything because I do want you guys to play it. But um, what I've heard is that there's a lot of things that change from the initial game. A lot of characterization that's changed. Um, Bigs Wedge, Bigs Wedge, and Jesse, who are kind of really insular characters, and in, you know the original game, like they're very small characters. Mm-hmm. Like they get a lot more fleshing out. So that's very uh, that's very key, and there's just a lot more like this. I think I think someone said like this is about 
35 to 40 hours of a game. Jesus. Uh, which in the original game, this is all of like maybe five, ten hours. Does that include all the side stuff? That thirty-five hours. Yeah, does this does this include all yes. the stuff on the first disc, or it was the first disc more stuff than that? So the first disc is more. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because the first disc you actually get out of uh, Midgar and you go to the Golden Saucer and all the other stuff. Like that's still on the first disc. <laughs> so this is all still just like the first disc. And let's also remember, it took us five years to get here. <laughs> Five Longer years. than that, like they were talking about, there were rumors of an FF7 remake going back to the mid 2000s at least. It, it says full production started in fi- in 2015. Wow. Would I would I like to remind you guys who the creative director is on this? Oh, game? please do. <laughs> uh, this is of course uh, Tetsuya Nomura. So please, I hope you are not waiting for a or for the next episode, or if the next episode does come on, uh, does come out, I guarantee you will be on mobile phones. Or some other bullshit as device where you're going to be like, why are you hiding it there? Because uh, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's I, he's not my favorite uh, game director. I mean, director. can you – <laughs> like, just thinking about it, I'm not going to not – I'm going to try and get it. I, I, I did like the demo. But mm-hmm. the next – there's no way the next one doesn't hit the next gen. So, like, half of your Final Fantasy VII will be on one platform and the other half will be on the other. Well, I mean, if you look at what a lot of the infrastructure is with the uh, P- PS5, like, there's a possibility where it can still be a PS4 game and just, like, kind of up-res out. Like, that's the whole that's the whole story of the PS5, right? Is it supposed to be able to be backwards no, compatible? that's the story of the Xbox Series X. The PS5 is... is they've been really cagey about how that's going to mm-hmm. work, and so far they've only confirmed that the 100 most played PS4 games will be backwards compatible. If you don't think if if Final Fantasy VII is not backwards compatible, like not one of those games or the remake, then what are we even doing here? Like you could have <laughs> waited one more year to bring this game out, mm-hmm. and yes. it would have been fine. Put a cap on society. It's over if FF Seven <laughs> isn't backwards compatible. Yeah, uh, it, it's I don't know. Like I said, um, I am very excited and intrigued by what this game is. I just want people to cage their expectations. This isn't going to be the game. So, like, to me, Final Fantasy VII means a lot because like, when that game came out, I was 11 years old. Like, this is the this is the video game that spoke to me, talked to me as a kid. Like, it was the one where I was like, I understand what RPGs are, right? It's That's my generation's game. I don't think, like, people can be realistically look for, like, hey, this is going to be this emotional thing that you have. Like, especially, you're not going to get the emotional beat, which is Aerith dying. You're not getting that because that would be in later games. But expect for it to be a really well done action RPG that will have some convoluted bullshit Mm. where you're going to be like, hmm. You know know what I think the big reveal is going to be? I think Aerith kills Sephiroth. Right at the beginning. I, no, I, I already know what it is. I think Aerith kills Eris, and that's why she's Aerith in this game. There's actually two characters. <laughs> Twin sisters. <laughs> I think I think the reason I, I always hewed to the Aerith pronunciation was because apparently that's what it's like in the the Japanese version, which a friend of mine got back in college, like months before the US version came out. And yeah. and so like that that has always been an abomination to me. She's not Eris, she's Aerith. I I, yeah. I I just I I don't know like these these uh, these AAA remakes are interesting. I, I I don't hate the idea of them. I do believe I probably liked one. I can't think of that one off the top of my head. 
but like a full full remake not a remaster but a complete remake mm-hmm. but you know playing re2 was just like yeah i think you have to have some nostalgia for this because this does not work for everybody i disagree I had no trouble finding anything going through that game. Well, the thing with RE2, though, is it doesn't depend on you having played the second game. All they've reused is the setting, mm-hmm. whereas the game itself is just like all... It's it's basically RE4 combat, and so it is a completely different sorry, game, I don't mean so to make it doesn't it, I, I don't mean to make that. it... Because I had a great time with it and played for hours, but I got oh, okay. stuck twice, and it's fucking infuriating. And I just assume hmm. it's it's on whatever nostalgic infrastructure needs to be in place so it resembles the original. Because that's what I remember not liking about the original. No, the original doesn't help you, like, solve the puzzles in the second one at yeah. all. Like, it, they're not the same solution. Um, so it's... But as long as we're talking about big remakes, Resident Evil 3 remake came right. out last week, and mm-hmm. I played through that and had a blast. Uh, I will say, I, I feel like it's it's fun in a lot of the same ways that Resident Evil 2 was, but it doesn't feel as substantial as re2 did and it's over like i finished it the first time in like seven hours less uh and it it is very clearly set up to be like okay now now you finished it now you get like a bunch of reward points and you can unlock things like here's jill's original costume from the first resident evil here is uh this super gun that you can you can uh pay a certain amount of points to unlock and there's all these challenges that you can hit on your next playthrough so it's clearly set up for repeat repeat playthroughs it's it's set up for people who have one game a year your, your time's not important. Plays a block of tofu. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, Resident Evil's been doing but, that for years. But two two did that. The original the original RE3 was kind of the same thing, that we're like setting up a, here's a sequel, but it's using a lot of the same assets and it's kind of shorter. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still fun to play through, certainly. Uh, the Nemesis was a little bit disappointing um, in... In that really? it is, it's only really randomized, like in the early parts of the game, and after that, it shows up in scripted events and chases you around. But like when it, when it, 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 it's not a thing that could just show up at any time. It's not quite like Mister X. Like it will show up in scripted moments, and then it could, like, as you're running through the level, it's chasing you, but you might outrun him, and then uh, you come out through a save door and suddenly he drops down right in front of you and you have to backtrack and run away and you run into the save room, which you thought was safe because uh, the last one that you were in was safe and you actually hovered in the doorway taking pot shots at him and then ducking back inside to make him turn around until you stunned him and got past him. But this time he's muscling his way into the door of the save room that he's not supposed to be able to enter and you're getting fucked up. How often does that happen? Is that just a one-time deal? That happened to me exactly once. Okay. Um, but, but I mean, my, my my thing was like, could you even do Nemesis after doing Mr. X, which was done so well, like it was yeah. just done so well. Like that Nemesis feels less relentless than Mr. X does. That he, he only stalks you at certain points in the game. There are points where you are definitely safe from him. And then there are scripted bits where he just shows up and starts shooting at you with a rocket launcher and like, okay, now I have to run away from, like, the laser targeting beam of the rocket launcher and uh, let it hit zombies instead. And He's less relentless, but he's way more deadly because he moves mm-hmm. a lot faster. Yeah. That was the one thing I in the demo I did not like. So, A, that was totally scripted because, like, literally after I kind of found where he was in that, the next time, I, you know, I died. And so then I was like, okay, I'm going to go collect all the cool stuff. And it's like, as long as you don't go through that one set of doors, mm-hmm. he won't appear. But then, like, when he does appear, he's just... 
it's it's not fun because you're just trying to run as fast as you can because you can't really fight him you might throw a grenade to slow him down or whatever then just the whole time he's just chasing you using that tentacle to like kind of trip yeah. you well i find that the the fun of those chases is that presumably you will have explored the area by this point and maybe unlocked some alternate paths so you can make a beeline for those alternate paths rather than running for the obvious one where he's standing and you can mm. also take advantage of things in your environment like that that first plaza where you encounter him in the demo in the full game there is like a, an electric uh, generator that you can shoot to uh, zap anything nearby and you do that and it'll mm. drop him to his knees and you can run past him and then he'll get up and start charging after you after a few seconds but you you have that important window to to run to the next area yeah I just for me it was like he he's so fast and mm -hmm. he's so deadly. That there was a lot of little bit of chance involved there of okay I'm gonna try to dodge everything I can and yes it, hopefully you would have known the level layout by then and know where you need to go yeah but it was just deadly enough where you're like okay I'm gonna die a couple cheap deaths because yeah. of this and it, you it wasn't also as fun. have to master the timing of the dodge button which is less a dodge and more like a football juke where you're sort of, you'll sort of like duck and spin a little bit and it doesn't feel quite adequate to get away but most of the time it is again you have to yeah. time it right. Yeah, it's just a real slight feint. It looks like mm -hmm. a slight feint, but I, I you can even use that against the regular zombies, and it works really well. But mm -hmm. yeah, it, it the three remake to me is is kind of living up to exactly what happened with three compared to two. It, yeah. it feels like a little bit of a more action oriented, uh, less less of a game in terms of length. Because um, yeah, the two remake I want to say I, I still played through that fairly quickly, but that's yeah. like a twelve to fifteen hour experience. Mm -hmm. But this this was an absolute blast for the seven hours I was playing it. So um, you know, take yeah. from that what you will. It, it is it is very fast. It's very fun. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff to discover, and uh, I I felt. I didn't feel like I was wasting my time. I felt rewarded playing it. But but not as revelatory as the RE2 remake. Right. Yeah. We were wondering if that's why they put that multiplayer mode on this disc is to mm. give it more content on the disc. But it, it seems like that the launch of that mode has been a little rough because even the, the beta, uh, I think it was on PC and PS4, it was delayed where you could only play that beta when it was supposed to be going on on a weekend on the Xbox for a little while. Like something happened last minute. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I, you know, I hear it's fun. Yeah, sure I, I love asymmetrical cool. multiplayer experiences, so yeah. I've I mean, had a ton of fun with that. a lot of Resident Evil multiplayer modes. Uh, more fun than <laughs> the single player, to be honest. So, like, I'm I'm a little curious, but, uh, you know, it, yeah, yeah. I was a little underwhelmed by two, and I don't know. Like, I want to I be on board, man. I really do. I don't want to be a party pooper. Um, because I, I like this, but I'm guessing they had to add the multiplayer because in our... Everyone listening now considers this a remake of something they already like, not a new AAA. It, it doesn't have the same AAA game status that you need for Christmas mm. unless it has all the things a $60 game should. Well, so, good thing it's only hence, April. <laughs> hence, it, yeah, but still, like, it's, 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 it, this is going to have to sell throughout the year. Mm -hmm. But, it, but I, to me, it's fascinating. Like, it's, it's only been a year since two? Yeah. Yeah. When did they announce three? Um, toward the, the end of last year. question. Yeah. Four, yeah, like last year, yeah. Thing, yeah. Four, Resident Evil Four, the most re-released game of all time. I would love to see this happen. A four. If they remake four, then we are in Orboros like territory. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no need to remake four. But I have true nostalgia for that game. I love that game. You know, yeah. I hear that argument a lot, but I feel like every generation says that about the thing that they love. Like, there's no need to remake yeah, that. It was I feel like you could remake it to be a little bit 
smoother and more responsive and less tanky um and and look better yeah. like even though there have been but, like hd remasters of it like it could still have running on the new engine it yeah. would look way better what if they made one new leaf pattern <laughs> How great would that be? <laughs> um, one th- weird thing that I did notice in RE3, so I mentioned this to you, Matt, but the game has a model viewer when you're done. And I was like going through the models that I'd unlocked and looking at them, and the zombie dogs are fully anatomically correct. What? Like they have a visible butthole, nutsack, and penis. Um, well, what do you think is breaking through those windows, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like. I don't feel like you would ever see this in the course of normal gameplay. I don't know why they modeled it. It's a little weird. Well, they saw what happened with that Cats movie, how pissed off people Uh were that they needed the butthole version. That's true. We might as well get ahead of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Plus Japan. Hello. They (laughs) love modeling buttholes on on things. Buttholes, I I understand more than the the cock and balls. Uh, That's a little weird. They they saw Red Dead Redemption 2 Mm -hmm. and what had happened there with the horse balls. And they said, oh, this is next Did you try shooting the dog in the balls? Did it have a reaction? Maybe you weren't playing the game correctly. No, it's a zombie dog. It feels no pain. It only feels shotgun blasts to the face. I've killed a dog in Resident Evil and it hurts every time. (laughs) Or... Oh, mm-hmm. they're so gross, though. They have exposed rib cages. Indeed. I'm, I'm really interested to see how this does, because uh, mm. I really sort of want them to stop at four. But mm. uh, Or maybe maybe Code Veronica's next. Who knows? Yeah, remake That's the all, one man. I want. Oh, I want Code Veronica remade so much. That game, that's my Resident Evil game is Code Veronica. I love that's, that, that game That's the one lot. that could use the remake more than four because it does have the clunky controls and everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it'd be nice to see something that remade that's that batshit insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that I think was the one where it's it's like I started seeing through the Resident Evil Matrix where it's just like if there's a window, some shit is going to jump through it. Like yes. that's just the way it is. And once you know to expect that, it becomes less scary. Yep. And that's another thing. I, I will say that, like, unless the nemesis was actively randomly chasing me, there was no part in RE3 Remake where I was really scared. Like, oh, there there's yeah. some places where it's like, oh, God, this is really fucked up. All these spiders are trying to implant me with larvae that can only be expelled with green herbs. But uh, <laughs> other than green that, herbs, man. Yeah. It's it's pretty pretty straightforward action. Legalize it, baby. Mm-hmm. It's the magical cure for everything. Yeah. What you buy it? This green herb. <laughs> that green herb, baby. Probably the same thing every twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, I I think you're like this. That's a, that's the bit with Resident Evil Three is it's not scary mm-hmm. except for Nemesis and yeah. and like I said, I was very afraid of this game when it came out just because. I, I think, like, Mr. X was just such a, like, a good update of Nemesis. I didn't know what they would be able to do with yeah. Nemesis in this game. I, I was just hoping they were going to use whatever AI was controlling uh, Mr. X, that they would use that for Nemesis in this game. But it's different. It's it's He's way faster. He sprints and he's just attacking you the whole time. Whereas, like, you could kind of play a game of cat and mouse with Mr. X in two, mm. you know, but, um, yeah. Michael, tell me about Disaster Report for Summer Memories. Oh, that was a weird game. Uh, so I, I played a bit of this last night. And um, Disaster Report, long-running series where you are uh, some random nobody getting stuck in the middle of a disaster in Tokyo. And in this one, it's it's oddly slow-paced. Uh, 
You are stuck in a big earthquake that makes skyscrapers topple over and collapse in in grand fashion. And it gives you uh, odd moral choices, like right off the bat, like it it sort of lets you define like, okay, I'm going into town in Tokyo uh, to go to a job interview or I'm going to for business negotiations or... Uh, I'm going to cheat people for some reason, and or do you or do you call the buildings falling a democratic hoax and hawk your own medication? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're kind of hard to deny, but there is a lot of very Japanese strangeness going on. Like, okay, I'm in a disaster scenario. I need to help survivors. Like, hey, how about this guy that's trapped under rubble? No, I can't help him. Instead, I have to go talk to an old man who dropped his lunch on the ground and is very sad because he uh, was forcibly retired a month ago and now payday is coming up. And what is he going to tell his family? Uh, Meanwhile, what about recouping my travel expenses for this job interview I came to do? Can I do that? Oh, there's a teacher looking for her high school students. Uh, Maybe I can hit on one or all of them if I manage to find them. It's it's real weird. It's it okay. and it it's kind of open ended, so it has these uh, objectives that you can tackle that advance the story, but it doesn't signpost them really. So you just kind of have to wander around and talk to people and hope that you trigger something, and uh, and you know maybe there'll be like a yakuza is looking for a man in a black t shirt. Do you say like oh he just ran that way or do you lie to him? You should probably lie. Maybe the absurd nature of this is actually good because mm. I feel like this this is what we would call uh, hitting too close to home at this time. Um, yeah, a little but bit. But maybe the weirdness is helping pad that a little bit to be like, well, I don't actually have to make difficult life and death decisions. I have to help old man with his sandwich uh, uh-huh. on the ground. Well, it was a bento box, but yes. I got <laughs> With you. egg and an umeboshi plum. <laughs> it made sure to make that clear. <laughs> Just to really make you feel that loss. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it had egg? Oh, jeez. Oh, you poor old man. Oh, I'm going to eat this <laughs> off the ground now because we're in a fucking disaster scenario. <laughs> sure. I remember that scene in yeah. San Andreas. Everybody's Where the like, rock helps the old man yeah, eat yeah. his bento box. Yeah. <laughs> man. All right. So uh, that brings us, of course, to... We are in a new console release year, fellas, which of course means new controllers. We got our first glimpse at the PlayStation 5's new controller this week that is shockingly not called a DualShock. No, no, this is the... A sensibly titled. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Wow. Wow. Well done. Well done. Uh, Golf clap. The DualSense controller. Uh, Smell module coming spring 2021. No, the DualSense controller is Sony's new PS5 controller, and... It looks a little weird, uh, mm-hmm. the, the shots they showed. So first of all, it's dual colored where it's kind of looks like it's looks like it's wearing white armor around a traditional like black controller. Like the yeah. top and sides are, are it, white. And it, then the it looks kind of like Eve from Wall-E. That, that yes. same sort of like white plastic armor. I, I've, I've heard that. I, I think it looks like a Mauser robot 
from oh. the original Ninja Turtles. Hmm. Uh, okay, that would be an instant buy. <laughs> I think I think that must be a meme right now because the first thing people did when they saw this controller is they memeified it in terms of throwing their favorite skins on it or ways they thought it could improve the look. Because I, I can't uh, tell if people. I like will, the look I will or reuse not. my joke here that I use in the Laser Time Facebook community. Uh, this controller looks like it's going to take a dick little time to unlock in Destiny. It, <laughs> it, it does, yes. It has. It's got that pure white armor. That's the hardest to get in this. It, it is interesting because it looks very much like this is like a gleaming futuristic thing that we should be getting in 2020. Why not? Yeah, I I don't really know why people fascinate so much on colors because it's like all of them eventually will offer well, a multitude it, of colors. Yeah. And it'll it, eventually it would, be it, yellow from the years of filth that your hands put all over. Yes, it, it, it would. It wouldn't be and, my first white PlayStation controller, but it would be the first launch white PlayStation controller. Mm. Mm. Yeah, good point. And, and, and everything has been gray or gray once and black forever, and it's it, and it is the biggest departure in their controllers that they've ever had. Yeah, so, yeah and it's I, strange. And I mean, it, it's like usually the the color of the of the actual like controller is going to be the color of the chassis of the system. So we're probably looking at like a a, a white or a two tone system, right? So that's kind of also, what people look at, uh, I, I know you guys talked about it before, Chris, like, unfortunately, when when you change the color of a system, it can mean not great things. The Dreamcast, my favorite system of all time, was the first Sega white system, and we saw how great that did, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> so, like, PlayStation 5 being white, like, that... That's a little concerning. Uh, really? Not, like, that's speculative, though. All this is You're speculative. You're saying on, on consoles, it comes with zero privilege. <laughs> it, it's usually a harbinger of, of, of bad things, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the reason it's called the DualSense, though, is they really are focusing on uh, touch with this controller. And so they went into detail in a blog post all about this controller, about the haptic triggers and and how this game... They'd already kind of talked a little bit about this before. Where Each part it, of controller simulates feel of TT. <laughs> Hit the H button. Want to play Senran Kagura? I don't know about titties, cousin. Um, but they, they did about talk say, about. Did David Cage come in here? <laughs> come in the chat. Will uh, I be able to play Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball? <laughs> but but they, they they did bring up the examples they brought up before. Where with these these triggers, you're going to be able to feel like the tension in a bowstring when you mm. go to draw a bow, or you might it might help driving games feel even more realistic, which. I feel like Xbox One always promised that with its rumble, like the HD rumble, and I never really it, felt it, it in the trailer. It does happen. It does happen on the controller. It's just, it is reasonably subtle because you don't really want that to be jarring uh, yeah. that it, you just forget it exists. Yeah, you, you really have to focus on it to be like, oh, yeah, it's shaking a little less on this one side than this other side. Other than the haptic mm. face buttons, like all that's horseshit. Like it, they can't really make pulling a bowstring jarring on your trigger controls because it would just be disruptive to the gameplay yeah uh, so i don't i don't know like uh in in the touch stuff like dude nobody ever used that ever on the last generation yeah well so they did talk about they kind of redesigned the touchpad um so that well the touchpad's in the same spot but then the remember the sensor you light you mean the giant thingy? select button sorry go ahead <laughs> <laughs> remember that sensor light thing that was on the front of the controller which could get annoying if you're playing in a dark room because it would like mm-hmm. reflect on your screen yep so those lights are now like on top of the controller and to either side of the touchpad which oh, that's is... what i didn't understand because i i do believe part of I, is is part of that light 
involved in PSVR? Yes, it it, it is like a it, it's a some, something that's supposed to be read by the PlayStation camera. Yeah, right. Well, well, just like actually, like the the PSVR headset, I'm pretty sure has some lights on it too. So yes, that, it does. That all the camera's doing is seeing where those lights are. Same with so. the Move. That's why those controllers light up different colors. Yes. Yeah. So, so I don't know what changing the location of that light actually does for PSVR if you can use this controller with VR. That's a good question, Chris. Um, they, they talk a little bit about, like, they, they spent a lot of time designing the size of it. And so that the controller, like, it, it looks smaller than it actually is so that it still kind of fits and feels good in your hands. So, um, yeah, the, the PS4 was the big, like, the only departure the controller's ever made. And I remember it was like, eh, and it's like, it's fine. It's just a little light. Sorry, I, I got it reversed. It feels smaller than it looks. So the controller is supposed to look small, and mm. then it, 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 or the controller is supposed to look big, but then feel smaller, so it still has the same, feels like the same size in your hand. Okay. They, they also talked about they made some really subtle changes to the, um, the angles of the triggers and to the grip so that mm. it does feel better in your hand, which I'm glad because I, I just have always felt the Xbox One controller felt better, and a lot of it had to do with just the contours of the controller and, and the angles of those triggers. So mm-hmm. if it's going to be more like that, that's cool to me. And I, dude, I I was playing a PlayStation game today, and it's like, hit L1. And I've been playing PlayStation since 1995, and I never hit L1 the first try. <laughs> that beep, that beep. Like it, it's something about Xbox distinguishing like LB that's the bumper and this is the trigger. I don't have to think about it very very long. But I I, I still futz around with the PlayStation even though that I've I've had every PlayStation console and played the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think they're very distinctive from one another, and they should be moved I moved either apart or separated in size uh, and function. Well, they, that's the other thing is if you look at the size of the let's call them the bumper, the L, L and R one, they're pretty big this time around. They're not like the the smaller kind of more sliver style. They're, they're, they they're show the top thick. on the yeah the ones on the top there. They they showed on this blog you can see it. Um, they they talked about um, it. This controller has ah. a built in microphone. So that That's beautiful. you can chat with people without having the headset. Although they do recommend for long sessions or like big multiplayer games, still wear your headset. So. Why? So you won't drain your controller? No, I think they're just saying it's more comfortable. It's it's you know easier to hear people versus just talking into an empty room, which <laughs> might feel a little weird. And 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 then of course the uh, create button. Like, oh, is that yes. aspirational? That's replacing the share button. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really talk about how create differs from share. It, other it than brings the... you directly into dreams for PS5. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Yeah, their, their wording is that with create, we're once again pioneering new ways for players to create epic gameplay content to share with the world or just to enjoy for themselves. We'll have more details on this feature mm-hmm. as we get closer to launch. It loads up an ancient copy of RPG Maker automatically. <laughs> stored inside the controller. Unlocks epic new ways to post funny screenshots of games to Twitter and make fun of them. But uh, other stuff just worth noting, you know, the, the sticks are in the same spot, so they don't have the offset can, uh, don't sticks like. that, that the Xbox has, which I, I prefer the offset. That's, that's just me. Yeah, um, it's got all the same all the same buttons, you know, in terms of your, your D-pad is the separated D-pad, like kind of signature D-pad PlayStation. D-pad looks sexy as shit. Uh, it's got you got your triangle, your circle, your square, and your cross button, uh, as always in there. So it's weird. They're saying it's they, like Jim Ryan is saying, "Oh, this is this radical departure." 
other than the color, it's not such a radical departure. It looks, it's like, okay, the, the haptic stuff could be cool. Let's see how the, I mean, we have to see how that plays out because again, like all things with the consoles, it's lowest common denominator. It's like if one does something, the other doesn't, are the third party developers really going to implement that stuff into their game? Yeah. Well, the 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 trigger stuff, I believe, is all stuff Microsoft has announced. The haptic buttons, we'll see. I, it would be interesting because, like, if you have an Apple Watch, like that's the first time I heard the word haptic, and it's just like this completely noiseless, unobtrusive vibration hmm. that occurs on your wrist. Where I, I, people are like, do you have to go? Why do you keep looking at your watch? I'm like, Michael and Matt keep texting me about top fives. And my, <laughs> my watch gently pokes me in the wrist and, uh, and and tells me there's a message. I do like that because e- even when I'm playing like a modern game on either, on any of the consoles, it's like a, a good vibration. You can hear it throughout the room. <laughs> it, it, yeah. True, true. Yeah, I think I think what the Switch the Switch HD Rumble is haptic as well. Like it's just it's a little bit of a different type of shake where it's not like just the the giant motor attached to a weight that's moving in circles, which is really it all is. Rumble has been. I'll, I'll henceforth call it the uh, the Blue Marlin shake because good lord, you can really feel that thing when you land it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you don't want to talk about this, so so feel free to tell me now. But, but, but we we were talking about that rumor about the PS5's hardware. This is the first hardware we've ever seen. Hmm. That's true. We haven't seen what the the console's going to look like yet. Oh, are you talking about the rumor, the rumor on the reset yeah. era post? Yes, I think that's a fascinating rumor, and I, I read that other places too. I mean, we can talk about it just because, but it's pure speculation because no one has confirmed this. But yeah, we there's basically a post on reset era that was talking about one of the reasons we might not have seen the actual, you know, the the console itself is Sony is maybe having to do some last minute redesigns. I don't know. Um, hey. But yeah, you know that they're worried that the the M2 uh, drive architecture, the way that it heats up, means that you have to have that immediate uh, release of heat that the Xbox Series X tower allows for, and and Sony's worried like if we do this design, people are going to worry we're ripping it off. Which I say like I welcome that because those tower designs look fucking hot. I love that. Yeah, man. Yeah, I like yeah, those I a lot. The they, cool. they look like you could mm-hmm. even put them on your fucking bookshelf. Yeah. <laughs> of course, they will overheat next year. Unread copy of Infinite Jest. Well, what but- if I've read it? <laughs> I haven't read <laughs> it. Well, if anybody has. Uh, but but yeah, but I, the, the point of the, the, my takeaway from that piece is that the first, the first generation of PS5 hardware is essentially a wash because it's going to undergo mad overheating issues and they'll have to go back to the drawing board in a year, but they have to launch when they say they're going to launch. Or they can use this whole coronavirus as a lovely, like, sorry, we had to delay, stockholder, sorry, it's not our fault. The only prototype we've seen, like, the only reason a console should look like this is to accommodate airflow, because this looks ridiculous. And I, oh, I, that, I those, those images, yeah, the, the, what, uh, the dev unit, basically. Right? The dev unit, the dev but, dev but dev they dev are, unit. like, they are patented, copywritten uh, designs, so... I don't know. Is that what it's going to look like? Why haven't you shown us yet? And when we started talking about that, I went back through the Sony reveals. And granted, the gap shortens every year up until like the PS4 was announced in February, debuted in November. Uh, but here we are in April. Yeah. And we haven't seen anything. The PS3 was debuted like well over a year before yeah. uh, it, it came out. 
Uh, the hardware, I mean. And here right. we haven't. We not only haven't seen the hardware, we haven't seen any software. Period. It, it, it is weird to see the controller before you see the case, the the console yeah. case itself. That's a little unusual. Um, I can tell you one place you're not going to see this. We already know that E3, the physical version of E3, is canceled 2020. But actually, it came out this week. So the the ESA had been talking. They kind of wanted to do some kind of online streaming replacement. That is canceled. Uh, they're just basically focusing on E3 2021. And do, do you know um, how much those motherfuckers charge for internet access in that convention center? It's unbelievable. <laughs> well, of to, course well, they canceled. To the point where E3 2021 is now. They've given dates. It's June 15th through 17th of next year. Um, IGN came out and announced they are. I think they're just trying to figure out because E3 is actually a big deal for IGN in terms of site traffic and stuff. So they're hosting a thing they're calling the Summer of Gaming event in June where they're hoping publishers or people like Sony or Microsoft can show more stuff off. Just yeah, kind of show trailers. <laughs> isn't that isn't that just the Greg Miller thing that he did when the PlayStation Experience thing didn't work? Like not 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 to a to, little bit. Yeah, I mean that this is just the Greg Miller thing, right? But it's well, maybe it's, it's but it's, it's IGN. I think that the big, bigger yeah. story is that there's no official ESA E3 on digital version or anything. But it's like, like I, I understand E3's semi outdated necessity, but like this does speak for a need for like we all want like one week or one time period to care about new releases uh, or upcoming releases or announcements we, or just have a place yeah we want to make we want announcements. Isn't that the VGAs though? Like that's I I, I just don't. I hope not. I don't know. I don't. But Sony's not going to wait till December to show off their new console, which is out by then. So you can't just wait for the video game awards. You know, there there needed to be a thing. That's a thing. The, the, the big joke is that everyone had been pulling out of, quote unquote, pulling out of E3. They were still doing all their announcements around that time. They were just doing it yeah. in their own spots, right? With their their directs or their whatever state of game, whatever the hell Sony calls it. Yuck. And so without that, though, it's like... E- you can tell there's this vacuum that needs to be filled of like we need a week of big announcements and hype for our industry. Yeah, yeah, where everything is piggybacking on everything else. And like I can't think of anything else but like the Oscars where we just talk all for a week we talk about all movies. Game yeah. still kind of needs that. Yeah, game games aren't unique. Like every industry has their big thing. Like music has its trade show where like the instrument yeah. manufacturers show off their shit. Cars have car shows where it's like Ford debuts their new models or whatever. It's. But I, I I regret we didn't talk about it. Uh, we we released a, a Patreon slice of bonus time to the Laser Time feed, and it was about how the coronavirus is inter- is impacting the entertainment industry. Mm. And I don't know the long and short of it. The thing I'm looking at personally is like. These types of things tend to tell us what we can live without. And if it turns out we can live without E3 this year, it may never happen again. More than likely, that philosophy will affect all of our jobs uh, and whether we have an office to go into again. But, but uh, yeah, the, the, of, of the things that like will, are, will drastically change in our world, we could lose... Like hypothetically, movie theaters. You see that article about our the America's biggest movie chain like is just not making money for three months. AMC it could yeah, it AMC could go is away. Basically, their credit rating got uh, lowered today as well, which is always yeah. A bad sign. At, and it's eighty percent of movie theaters. At the shelter in place thing, I was seeing people saying like, uh, "Oh, I I'm going to buy a ticket online and then not go." And it's like you realize that money doesn't go to your local theater, right? Like you yeah. should be buying concessions online and then not picking them up. <laughs> 
I would like an $8 hot dog and (laughs) do with it what you will. That's what you do if you want to support your local theater. And and, and not that theaters are going to go dead, but yeah, it's very possible E3 is an event. This could be the thing that destroys it. We'll see. We'll have to see. Yeah. um, So the way I kind of built out the news section is I kind of wanted to go from a positive story to a negative back to positive. Uh Kind of, you know, buffer this. So the next report, um, we're in rumor and speculation territory, but it's funny because we were, I was just talking about this last week. Mm -hmm. There are reports that came out this week from kind of a a guy who's known, a known leaker of horror game stuff. Mm -hmm. Take that for what you will. That said that Resident Evil 8 is coming next year and it's going to be first person which is what i was speculating on so Yama. this this guy aesthetic gamer um he reports that basically he had originally said eight was a few years away and what happened was this was actually a prototype for a revelation spin-off series but then capcom liked it so much internally and they saw that there was gonna be such a huge gap between seven and the game they were gonna call eight they said you know what we're just gonna this is gonna be eight and so they are adapt re adapting that to be resident evil eight um the cool evil eight This game is supposed to be coming to both current and next-gen consoles, and then it's supposed to have a lot of departures for the series, so other than just being first-person, um, it, it has some story and enemy departures. There's going to be hallucinations, occultism, and insanity are going to be playing a big role in the game, so it's kind of going to be like, am I actually seeing this stuff, or am I just hallucinating it? Which mm. is different for a Resident Evil game. Ah, uh, they're, they're finally going down this route of making Resident Evil amnesia, like that's that's this is this is that's the thing, right? Like it's just how how much farther can you move it towards amnesia or Silent Hill, right? It's it's yeah. the whole, like how much of this is in your head versus actually happening to you. So, and, and I thought I thought the the rumored title giving me RE four vibes was Village because you can fit a V I I I in there. Hmm. In the oh, village. maybe that'd be fun, uh, like they did with the seven title. Um, Sorry, yeah, that's a confusing sentence, but whatever. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter what it's called either, because it's never it's probably never gonna be a house again. You got lucky with seven. Yeah. Hmm. Resi Resi oh. Evil uh eight. <laughs> they don't say evil, it's just Resi eight. I will say one Resi of the, eight. One of the things that I found really cool about Resident Evil three is since you bring up amnesia, that you are kind of pushing the doors open manually. And after a while, I got kind of in this clearing mode where I'm like, I'm just nudging the doors open with my drawn gun and then immediately like turning left and then right as I enter to, to make sure that there's no threats around. And there is a part in the Raccoon City police station, which you go into, where you're playing as Carlos and you find like the clover door, I think it is, and just like yelling at his partner like, hey, come look at this crazy fucking door. And like, yeah, <laughs> don't bother with that. We're just here for this one thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so like I said, I'm kind of going uh, good news, bad news. So a little bit, little bit of bad news here. Uh, the Last of Us Part 2 has mm. been delayed indefinitely due to the COVID-19 slash coronavirus. Um, here's the statement for directly from Naughty Dog. Um, even though we're close to finishing the game, I'm paraphrasing a little bit there, we were faced with the reality that due to logistics beyond our control, we couldn't launch The Last of Us Part 2 to our satisfaction. We want to make sure everyone gets to play the game around the same time, ensuring that we're doing everything possible to preserve the best experience for everyone. This meant delaying the game until such a time where we could solve these logistic issues. So, you know, by logistics, obviously, I think they're referring to just getting that game to stores for the yeah, physical the versions. Physical media. Well, I, I also have to imagine even working from home is taking 
toll on, on developers, especially on, on a giant project in, let's be clear, I'm going to evoke the crunch word, uh, in the time of crunch. Well, this, I mean, from when this thing was supposed to ship, technically the dev themselves would mostly be done with crunch. This would most, they're, they're, they admitted themselves, they're mostly just doing bug squashing at this point. Mm-hmm. And I have heard one of the things most affected by all this work from home stuff is QA. It's really difficult wow. to get the builds of the game to the QA yeah. testers in their homes versus kind of, you know, they're on dev kits or whatever it is. So, yeah, that, that could be an issue. Um, they didn't say it, but I think another thing we it's kind of obvious is a lot of people are out of work now and losing their job. And, and so is launching a title right now in this economic climate or even just climate of uncertainty is that a good idea you know or is it better to wait a little bit when you're gonna sell more copies of your game and if i may be cynical uh launching a first party exclusive three months before your new console even though that's the last of us to a t uh, yeah same thing like, happened yeah like why not hold off and re because I- i'm playing last of us right now remastered and it is it is gorgeous, but it is not Uncharted 4 level of gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And it, it almost breaks my heart because, like, man, I would love to see how fucking great this game would look on new hardware. So if they want to push this shit off and make it a PS5 launch game, and I would guess May of 2021, because I do not expect, I really don't expect consoles to launch this November at all. Hmm. At all. I mean, you guys, you guys know a little bit about that. Like, hmm where these things are manufactured like this needs to be happening right now i mean i imagine it probably is happening right now i think then we would have we would have seen some kind of hardware reopen and and getting back it's it's not even an issue of china it's it's an issue of the like the just the delay in the supply chain of everything uh i yeah i don't think so i no no i don't think so at all i don't think we'll make i don't think both both platforms will launch this (laughs) holiday at all and I and, and and don't I would recommend not doing that because who knows where we'll all be economically if we still have to be in this situation if we have the money to fork over five hundred dollars for a new platform. But I but but play I'm just I just wanted to say I have shit on Last of Us or been flippant towards it for the last couple of years. I am head over heels in love with it and would love to see another version. And it was sort of uh, the LTC was talking about it. Last of Us Two delayed, and a couple of people were like, "Good." The first game is just such a well-contained story. I don't even want this. <laughs> I, I don't even want them to follow this up. I, what could I you do? I want more Ellie. I want yeah, I, I want I want angry Ellie murdering folks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, like that that last yeah. E three the last E three demo of it sold me on the idea of Last of Us two. Like honestly, <laughs> well, just, well, just that, that I'm on board for. Lo- I'm I'm happy to be on the bandwagon of loving Last of Us and t- finally in 2020. Nice. <laughs> I, I think I got I got the hand of the quick crafting and I, the stealth threw me for a loop. Uh, but it's it's really the fastest stealth of any game I've ever played. If you know mm. what you're doing, yeah. And it's, and I I, I, I well, fucking love it. Now. I'm I'm delighted to see you come around after poo pooing it on our game of the decade show. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, I feel I feel like a piece of shit. But like, look, I'm a big enough man to reevaluate my opinion. I'm not gonna. All stick, right, cool. Gonna, just stick to it. Uh, Welcome aboard. Yeah, but, nice. The other thing that could factor into this is like we talked about it for. Um, disaster part four it's 
it's kind of a rough time to release a game like a last the last of us right now yeah. you know it's it, that, again that's another a thing close to home. about resident evil 3 it begins with live action footage from newscasters saying this pandemic has spread faster than any other in modern human history like oh my god yeah no one could have seen this coming we did the best <laughs> job and no one could have seen. yes <laughs> yeah, uh yeah, yeah. I think it's one of the reasons Animal Crossing, we're going to see the sales are going to be amazing because yeah. it's an escape from this kind of stuff. Whereas, yeah, I think I think sales could have suffered because people want an escape and they don't necessarily want a game that's kind of reflective of what they're going through. So, Right, right. Because, yeah, playing Resident Evil and this, and like I'm, I usually think it's a zombie game. And then every once in a while it reminds me like, no, this is at heart an outbreak game. Like, oh, yeah. this isn't, this isn't, this this isn't, this isn't, well, it's more like, like, this isn't how it happens, guys. Now I know. <laughs> well, even, even Division 2, and uh, Michael, I know you can't really speak to this at all, but like their, their New York expansion kind of came out when all this stuff was going on and, and everyone loved the New York expansion, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where it's like playing through that right now, especially with what's going on in New York. It's like, God, oh no. Difficult it's, it's... to promote. Can you contain it? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it is to be fair. Set uh, several months after the pandemic hits, and what you are mm. trying to do in the New York expansion is stop from someone from releasing an even more potent bioweapon. No, wow. Yeah. And can I can I can I galaxy brain this for just one second? Okay. Um, one of the things I think we might end up learning to live without after all this is said and done is Game Stops. And if you're a first-party uh, game uh, meant to move physical systems, what do you do if the biggest physical store in America might not exist? Do you hold off? Do you weigh it out? I don't know. Well, I think, I mean, if they're not going to exist, it's not like they're coming back anytime soon or not like some replacement is coming. And so Dude, we've all been the talking about <laughs> the decline of GameStop for a long time, you know? So if they're going away, they're going away kind of regardless of what's happening. This this could just be the final straw, you know? It is literally unfair. All the Walmarts are open. I can't go to my friend's record store, but for some reason, Walmart has records. What's going on? Well, make no mistake. Walmart ships a lot. Of console totally you know and Mm -hmm. so i think what'll happen is what's been happening like dude when i first broke into this industry the top five retailers that list looks way different than it looks today there's there's one or two that are the same there's there's no kmart or aims like we used to we used to think about circuit city as a thing we're Mm. like okay we've got to make sure we're selling into circuit city that hasn't been around for a while and it's like that business just kind of got eaten up by amazon or best buy and so it got eaten up i I think it's it's Yes. It's so, but but again, this, <laughs> this, that went and bought all their bargain priced games. This this game isn't isn't. It's meant to be a you know a loss leader and not meant to make money off shelves, but move consoles and like this is not the best time to do that. No one wants a, no one wants a PS4 right now. Just in regards of the, the the new new console cycle, no one wants to spend that kind of money on a thing in yeah. this economic environment uh, and they probably need it more on, in the, the next generation. Oh, I, I guarantee we're going to see exactly what happened with, with The Last of Us 1. There will be an, a yeah. remaster within six months of launch. Yeah, and one year later. I mean, you are just, yeah, I can imagine there were some very uncomfortable meetings where I would not have wanted to be in that conference room when Naughty Dog had to 
delay because this you know we have to remind ourselves this game was supposed it was originally announced coming out february 22nd of this year it already got bumped once to may 29th and then now it's it's just indefinite it's weird they won't even give it a new date they'll just be like "Eh, it's coming it's delayed indefinitely that is a little strange as a minor news story like um and maybe part of the ltc facebook group and a couple retro game groups there are a bunch of people I follow on Facebook who are irritatingly addicted to physical copies. And there are reports of physical copies moving through. I'm not sure how you guys ended up with RE3, but thanks for not social distancing. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but but like uh, a lot of the Final Fantasy stuff uh, looks like it's shipping. And in e- even weirder case for me, for my birthday, I wanted the TurboGrafx-16 uh, Mini. Yeah, and it's indefinitely delayed in America, but you can get the American version in, on the Japanese Amazon, and it's shipping right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's just because stu- right stuff is stuck America. in the supply chain at, at weird yeah. places right now. So yeah, it's gonna it, it's gonna be super fucking strange. I like mostly digital, and I'll pro- I love dude, to preload a game and not go out. Oh boy, oh boy, you have to know that joy. If you like it that much, if you like the game that much, pick it up in a $10 sale later and you'll have that beautiful, pristine disc. <laughs> but if you want to play it right now, uh, preload it. I'm just saying, people, don't go out unless you have to. Nope. Definitely no, don't. Good advice. Here's another thing Another thing that can keep you home. Uh, almost regardless of what type of computer you have, uh, Google Stadia launched the free tier, the free service. So that was always their plan. Remember, they yeah. have the kind of the pro pro level, and then they have a free tier. Well, that that is up and running. Right now, if you go and sign up, anyone can sign up, uh, you will get two free months of pro. So they're incentivizing people like, no, check out what pro can get you. Uh, the free tier, as a reminder, is the one that gets you 1080p and 60 frames per second. Um, normally, pro tier would get you 4K, 60 frames, HDR, but Google has already announced that in light of the pandemic and the strain on the internet, they are kind of going to be defaulting stuff to the 1080p resolution so that they're not putting so much weight on, on the network. But if you if you were curious about Stadia and if you haven't been turned off to it by a lot of the stuff uh, people have been saying about it. It's, <laughs> by the it's official launch. <laughs> but but it, it does come with like what, four free games or something? The no, pro? no. The, I mean, well, the Pro, yes. The Pro has yeah. more than four it, now. It, it's, it's like, like a PlayStation uh, Plus sort of thing where you get like a couple, f- two free games per month. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think like Destiny 2 is always free. Hmm. Well, yeah, because Destiny 2 on Steam is a free-to-play game at this point. But they, oh, they get a point. special edition. The Stadia got a special edition of Destiny 2. But so, Yeah, if you, had, you haven't listened to Bonus Time, we haven't done this a lot. But our, we are we are taking social distancing very seriously in our neck of the woods, even though we're not in a hotbed. And we have been setting up chairs outside six feet apart. We have had up to five people over to the house where everyone pees outside. Jesus <laughs> Seriously, it, it's it's sort of fun. It's like camping, and uh, everyone maintains their distance. Everyone brings their own shit, uh, and then we, you know, girlfriend moved in. We dragged the TV outside, and it's like, and Melinda's and I were talking, like, could we do Stadia here? I'm like, if we both had our own controller, we could do Stadia. we could do Stadia in the backyard. Yeah. If, assuming your internet's good enough, because mm-hmm. that's you will notice you will notice like frame drops and stuff if you're not pretty close to your router so. yeah but he, like we that's the thing like when when we first melendez and i mb we've heard on the podcast we've been playing co-op games 
before the actual internet could handle that. Uh, that's how we stayed in touch while I was in California. So like a little hiccup here and there. I wouldn't mind mm. if we could have some semblance of a normal life while maintaining six feet of distance in the backyard with the TV on. <laughs> I do. Oh, I did want to point out. So Michael was kind enough. He gave me kind of the trial of the pro mode um, earlier this year. And so I went and kind of signed back up for the free mode. There's two weird things you should know. When you sign up, because you have to buy the games, there's nothing for you to play unless you go buy one of those games through Stadia. And so it is a little bit weird, like, okay, I'm all signed up. I have nothing to do until I give them money. So this free tier is, like, meaningless until you buy a game. The pro tier does come with free games. Yes. So I think that's why they are doing this two-month pro tier trial. Uh, The other thing I wanted to point out is... That doesn't just apply to new people. So if you were like me and you were in the pro tier program and then canceled before it actually charged you, they will still give you another two free months to incentivize you to try to sign back up again. So right, hmm. I, I'm seeing a lot of uh, subscription services not being a piece of shit during all this. Like, yeah, we're just not going to charge you for two months. Well, with, with these guys, I think the reason they're doing it, not to be cynical, is, is exactly what I was saying is like once you sign up for the free tier, there's literally nothing for you to do unless you then go buy a game. And I think they realize that like, oh, that's a bad experience. It's we really should just dumb. give everyone two, two months of some games to, to get them hooked on the service and then hope that we get their $10 a month. So. I'm sure there's a demo, but I've never been more interested until I have a t- I had a TV outside. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not dragging a console out here. Yeah. Well, uh, so yeah, that go check that out if you haven't already checked it out. And that, gentlemen, is all the news that is fit to play. Well, that just brings us to the community segment, which, as always, is segmenting. Segmenting our, our community. community. Uh, last week's question of the week, of course, was, what is a game that you think is long overdue for a remake? Uh, Trev, you weren't here last week. Do you have an opinion? Uh, yes, and I'm going to get killed for saying it incorrectly. I don't give a shit anymore. Uh, Paul Rapper the Rapper, um, <laughs> needs to be remade. Didn't they remake they... it a little while ago? They did. No, they, they, they no, they, they remastered the, um, the old PlayStation version, so it, it doesn't... sucked. Like, because it, it, the, the inputs were kind of laggy because it was made for a CRT TV. Right. So, yeah, so it doesn't, like, it was an HDMI, you can't really get a good setup, but, like... It's 2020. Uh, Rhythm Games are here. They've been here forever. I want my rapping dog talking to Master Onion about loving a flower. And I, <laughs> I want a remake version of that. Huh. Would Pa Rapper's out there chopping wood. Ma <laughs> Rapper's out there tending to the field. Would it still be like that weird 2D, 3D thing where everybody's paper thin in your version? No! Full 3D! <laughs> I think you could do that. I think you could still do that that stylistic like uh the 2D that 2D art uh mm-hmm. and make it look like a actual like make it look like an actual cartoon instead of looking like a approximation of what South Park would look like. No, I want a fucking highly detailed 400,000 hair cocker spaniel and <laughs> a, a wool hat with a pattern I can see. This very realistic like looking Brothers dog Bro. with a with yes. a hat. And... Yes, fighting a yellow onion, not a white onion. I'll know the difference. Mm-hmm. I just, I've, I've never understood that show had an anime. Yep. Um, yes. And <laughs> I never understood why it never came out over here. Because hmm, uh, yeah. like Par Rapper, like Par was created by an American. Yeah. Shut up, Ronnie uh, Allen Greenblatt. You're right. It was created by an American. Like the the voice actor is also like American. Like why it never came over here is beyond me. I don't understand hmm. why it was such a Japanese thing. Yeah, it's a little odd. 
but uh, I, I think because only the Japanese can truly appreciate rap. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, Laser Time Rules on the official site said a dream remake I'd like is Earthbound. Love the game, but it could use a remake, mm. especially the battle interface. And while you can't remake perfection, a remake of Chrono Trigger would be interesting mm. and, in my opinion, would be better than the FF7 one. I hate both of those. I hate both of those responses so much. <laughs> um, you can't. You're right. You can't remake perfection. Don't touch. Don't you fucking don't do it. Don't remake uh, Chrono Trigger at all. And Earthbound is also a perfect game. What do you? No, I, I think it could those. be interesting to see like a remade Earthbound that was using like the claymation that they they ran in Nintendo yeah. Power back in the day instead of those two D graphics. I'm with you on Chrono Trigger because I think in my limited experience with JRPGs, Chrono Trigger is the most perfect uh, pixel RPG ever made. Yeah, it, yeah. it's it's just beautiful and like it. I'd like that to be left alone, but Earthbound. It chose intentionally a very weird style back in the day, and I'd love to see how that would be interpreted interpreted modernly, just not in a generic Smash Brothers character style of 3D. I would really like to see what someone could do with that. I, and I didn't even think about it until Michael said, like, claymation or craft style. That could be really neat. Now, with Chrono Trigger, what if they remade it, but it looked like Dragon Ball Z Fighters? No, I oh. would I would absolutely <laughs> hate that. Oh. I It's like, Chrono Trigger, to me, it's like, you don't want to touch that game. Like it's just it, it something about that the pixel art itself is also it's what's perfect with it. It's yeah. it's a it's literally a perfect game. Don't fucking touch it. No. Period. If that, if that game came out today as a throwback and you had no idea it existed, you would praise it to no end for its art style. It's beautiful. Ugh. But Earthbound is intentionally ugly. <laughs> the terrible battle interface. All right, someone read Green Dream. Green Dream says, "Well, uh since Brigadine is getting a sequel. Is that am I saying that yeah, right? Brigadine. Brigadine is getting a sequel on Nintendo Switch. I can't exactly choose that, so I'll say Metal Arms glitch in the system uh, with a fully updated multiplayer mode based on the same mechanic of hijacking the larger machines. Up to twenty-four players multiplayer, uh, along with the lines of Call of Duty or Battlefield. Man, Metal Arms. That is one of the weirdest. Uh, uh, cult classics I have ever seen in my That's life. That's one of the, the games that got like critically praised but lost in the maelstrom of 2003, yep. right? Like that, the that is basically words. not Jack and Daxter mm -hmm. and not Ratchet and Clank the game. Yep. Well, that was like that was like when they had like what the what was that the the mummy platformer game too? Like that was just like that when they were like it was Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy or whatever it was. That, yeah. Yeah, it was just like it just to me I remember that but Metal Arms was a good game. Metal Arms was like, it was a yeah. fine one of those. Like, it was really fun. Yeah. Well, it, it, it definitely was of the Jack and Daxter mold because it, it, it was all about the combat in Metal Arms. Like, more, more so right. than the platforming, you know? So. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, I'd say more like Ratchet and Clank would probably be more the more uh, uh, apropos, like, out, an out analogy yeah. Yeah. to yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Meowstodon says, I gotta go with Parasite Eve. I hated that game when it came out, but it fits in so much better with games today than it did back in the late 90s. It's so nice to play a 10-hour tight cinematic game that wastes none of your time and has a randomized dungeon at the end if you want more. A remake with voice acting and nicer cutscenes would really polish the cinematic feel that game did so well. Best of all, there's enough action in the battle system that they wouldn't have to completely remake the combat for modern gamers with no patience for reading menus. Ooh. 
Did you guys question for uh, Seven Remake the demo? Did you play in classic mode or did you go with normal, uh, regular, or easy mode? Uh, normal. I'm I'm sorry. I I went normal. I went as hard as possible. Apparently, it's supposed to be really hard, but no, yeah. I didn't do classic. Um, because I wanted to look. I wanted to see Nomura's vision all the way through, and this is <laughs> it. So I, I went classic. I started with classic, and it felt too much like Kingdom Hearts. It, yeah. It's it's very close to Kingdom Hearts. Like, oh, this thing just doesn't plays itself, and then you can do a power every once in a while. Uh, Chris, you want to read two poor four V? You're assuming I can read a Dactyl Nightmare remade as a Battle Royale game. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Dactyl Nightmare was the original uh, virtual reality game that they had in malls where everyone looked like Freddy Krueger. Oh Kruger. my god! Got it. The yellow one. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Got, totally got it. A bigger level with 99 other players and one hit kills. <laughs> It costs $2 to die. Uh, keep it simple and fast, but with plenty of low-poly 3D shapes to hide behind. <laughs> and it could be it could be a hit. Uh-huh. And you had that pterodactyl that would come and grab a random player and just drop them <laughs> into their doom. Uh, so, at Hobbs Voltaire says, I'd love to see a remake of the extremely overlooked SNES Super Scope game Battle Clash or Space Bazooka in Japan. Such a in, a sequ- in a sequel, uh, Metal Combat Falcon's Revenge uh, would have been That's perfect for the Wii or Wii U, but maybe Nintendo couldn't uh, could figure out a way to make it work on the Switch. I just want more Super Scope uh, Super Scope games. Yeah, like for real. All you have to do is fucking Labo that shit. <laughs> labo it. <laughs> like, yeah, like, no, no, Chris. They've they've already released like one game to support Labo. They're done. That's that's kind of. Their I know, average. but you release a cardboard attachment. You put your fucking Switch consoles in that becomes the bazooka. And I promise you, I promise you, that will cost more adjusted for inflation than the fucking Super Scope. <laughs> that cardboard <laughs> folded into the space of a bazooka that you make yourself. Yeah, the cardboard that you, you make you yourself will build. cost more than the bazooka. Yeah. I know you, Nintendo. I fucking know you. Uh, on Facebook, Mark Griffin says Rescue Rangers for the NES in the style of DuckTales Remastered. Great sprite work, great music, shitting bears. What more <laughs> could you ask for? That'd be great. And Are like, they the Charmin the... bears? Does Disney own <laughs> those? Can they? Well, and then like do the new, like do like different voice actors. Like that's one of the things I loved about DuckTales Remastered was getting like those old DuckTales voice actors back to do to mm-hmm. do that game. Like I would love that with the with the Chippendale, oh, Chip, yeah, with uh, Rescue Rangers yeah. and Chippendale, uh, with Rescue Ranger um, voice actors. Getting Jim Cummings to come back and do everybody. <laughs> J-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-
Um, so in my high school, uh, there housing like housing crews were, were a thing of like dance crews like people they, they they pretty much would go around tagging things and then dancing you know mm-hmm. and one of the house crews at my school their name was the rescue ravers oh, nice. um and yes. <laughs> it was were so you like were you like some weird 2000s version of breaking yes breaking two electric boogaloo show mm-hmm. some respect put respect on the name uh, uh i know about it. Sometimes that was conceived by a couple of Israeli hustlers. (laughs) It deserves no respect. (laughs) I enjoyed Breaking One, not Breaking Two so much. Breaking One is a classic. Breaking One's good. Shabadoo. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also, Joe Tonello says uh, Omega Boost. It was a sweet mech game that had you in space with full 360 degree movement and giant weapons. This was the closest I got to a Macross game till the Robotech games actually came out. All two of them. All two of them. There are so many more Macross games that we never got because we live in the U.S. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to change mine instead of Far Rapper. Dino Crisis. Hmm. Just because I just want, you know, Dino Crisis was a game, I think, you know, we we let it die, but we we can't forget that game ended up with dinosaurs in space. Yep. And that's that, what killed that's it. That's always I'm pretty fucking sure. great. Dinosaurs, dinosaurs in space, exclusive to Xbox, is I'm pretty sure what killed that series. <laughs> yeah, we, we discovered there is an awesome quotient, and if you surpass it, you're not allowed to exist, <laughs> and you can't bring dinosaurs into space. Too cool. Yeah, well, that's that's like where every horror franchise goes to die. It happened with uh, Jason. It happened with Leprechaun. Like, come on, you don't go to space. The leprechaun went back to the hood and everything yeah. was fine. Yeah, fair enough. You got to see the secret is you got to start in space, like mm-hmm. Event Horizon or mm-hmm. Alien or mm-hmm. Critter. Yeah. So you say we need we need Dino Crisis in the hood. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I played that game. Oh my god! Uh, somebody owes you money. Like, somebody attack should make the block, that right but with dinosaurs. Out. Fuck yeah! Hey, <laughs> what's that Tyrannosaurus Rex doing out here? <laughs> yeah. Man, look at that Velociraptor. It has spinning claws. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a couple of stoner characters that try to get a dinosaur high and succeed. It's the Wayans brothers. It's just the Wayans brothers. Yes, they're the comic relief. Oh, God. Keenan Ivory, Wayans directs. And Living Color, by the way, is 30 this week. We're talking about a 30, 2010, one of my favorite shows in history. I I should definitely write something about that. Mm. I really I love should. in Living that Color. Show, oh, that show. Well, so TL, good. you can do what you want to do in yeah. Living Color. Yeah. No. All right, we have uh, several video answers. The first from uh, Mighty Number B, Michael Irving, who says, "Hey VGA, Mighty Number B here, hanging out in my backyard with my dogs. Yep. And mm-hmm. we're here to answer the question of the week, but real quick, Noah, we'll get it." I can't see it. It's a cute dog. So the question of the week was, what video game would you like to see be remastered? And pretty sure I gave this answer last time I made a video. (laughs) I think Link is dying in the background. Which was for what video game that was stuck on another console would you like to see come back? And it has to be, for me, Jumping Flash. Bam. Nice. It was such a great game to play. On PlayStation 1, and I'd love to see it come back with better graphics, uh, better control scheme, because I tried playing it uh, on my Vita, and it did not play that well. So, 
that's my answer. You hope you guys have a great week and have fun in quarantine. Thanks, bud. Thanks, Mike. We will uh, thank you. Jump and Flash. That kind of game, like that's just about like um, absolute altitude in a very small from a very mm. small object with a better frame rate and better textures could be fucking amazing because I get vertigo very easily in games now. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Do it in VR. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, Full Install says... Greetings again from England, guys. It's Tom here from Full Install. I uh, genuinely hope you're all doing well and keeping safe and your families are all okay. Um, And get more soon to our Prime Minister who went into hospital this week. I'm sure he'll be fine. Anyway, more important things, uh, video games. Uh, this week's question of the week. Which game would we like to see remade or remastered? I always find it funny that when people get asked this question, they, they always choose a game that they loved in their childhood. It's like, oh, I'd love to see a Final Fantasy VII remake. That game's awesome. Why remake it then? Surely re- picking a game that's shit and remaking that is better? Or one that was a real disappointment? Like, Resident Evil you know, 2 and 3 remake are both great games, but Code Veronica's the stinker. Remake that and remake it better. Yeah. I imagine that'll be coming up next. Anyway, I'm going to take that theory and throw it out the window by picking two games I actually like in the first place. So the first one is a Vagrant Story, of course, which has no business being on the PlayStation 1. That game is far too advanced for the hardware. Um, I can only imagine what it would look like if it was released on a better console. You know, maybe not as good. Maybe that it had to kind of push the hardware is what made it great in the first place. Um, it's the kind of thing you wouldn't know until, you know, we actually see a remake in action. And the second one, I'm going to go a bit more obscure. Did you ever play Silent Bomber on the PS1? Uh, not the best yes. game in the world, but if you can imagine giving that game to Platinum Games, that'd be loads of fun. I'd love to see a Silent Bomber remake uh, made by Platinum Games. Just a very simple concept. You blow shit up. You have bombs. You can launch them. You can plant them. You stack them. Explosions get bigger. Um, but, you know, just rub some Platinum Funk on it. Make it a bit more interesting. Get a few more designs in there. And I think it could, you could have a whale of a time with that. It's just a constant running arcade game, isn't it? And that's sometimes that's all you need. That's all you want. Anyway, those are my two choices. Vagrant Story and Silent Bomber. Uh, stay well, guys, and I'll catch you next week. Ta-ra. Don't come! Don't come! <laughs> Having only just listened back to the audio I recorded, I've only just realised that I said ta at the end of it. If you don't know what that means, it's something that English people now and again say instead of goodbye. Don't ask me why, I don't know where it came from, but yeah, that's ta-ra. Ta-ra! Thank you for clarifying. I, I, look, I just pictured that British people just say things all the time that <laughs> make no sense, so it's yeah. fine. Hey, look, I love I love full install. Um, Kovar could fucking whips ass. Yeah, fuck off with that. It's a bad game. That's the game. Fucking no, it's it just like it, it's it's in between eras. It's not RE4, mm-hmm. and it's not like tank controls, survival horror staple, uh, security camera footage. RE1 through three. It feels like yeah. a proto revelations, honestly. That's what I was saying last week. That like like yeah. three was the one that like wasn't universally the first Resident Evil game that wasn't universally praised. I was looking forward to see that remade uh, in a it, way that was. Universal. I didn't even play it back in the day. Like this is the first time I've played Resident Evil three, much less to the end. So, hmm. well, um, anyway, uh, Red Rock nine six three says. Hey VGA, it is Red Rock 963 and my little buddy Alice. Hi, currently Alice. in the middle of trying to catch spiders to sell to pay off a certain raccoon for a house payment. Mm. Um, retro games I would like to see a remake of. I had to think very hard about this one because a lot of my favorite RPGs have already been remade. And then it hit me. Squeenix, you can have this idea for free. Take Chrono Trigger and put it in the same engine that you did to make um, Dragon Quest XI. 
and even give it the feature where you can switch between retro mode and 3D mode. I mean, th- I don't know if you guys have played Dragon Quest XI, no. but that, you know, it's Toriyama's art style, so that's pretty much a Chrono Trigger game, so why not take it, remake it from the ground up, put Toriyama's artwork in there, um, throw some voice acting in, and there, Square, you could just shut up and take my money right then. Um, other than that, my runner-up, if, you know, Squeenix doesn't want to take that free idea, is, you know, maybe... Capcom give the Breath of Fire series a little bit of love and maybe remake one of those games in 3D. And while I'm wishing, I'd also like a pony or a tiger, but no. (laughs) No, Tiger King told me that's a bad idea. You got a couple grand. Anyway, that's my answer, and I hope you guys are having an excellent week, and I will talk to you later. Yeah, no, I don't want to see it. I I love Dragon Quest XI. Yep. I love Curtis Trigger. Those are two things. Them ain't, them ain't things you want to mix together. Nope. They ain't, those ain't peas and carrots. That, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> I love that we immediately were like, I'll just make it look like Dragon Ball Fighters instead of thinking of the obvious Dragon Quest. Well, no, okay. So oh, yeah. here's here's the logistic reason why you don't change that because then you change the actual fundamental like look of exploring these spaces. And the thing about Chrono Trigger is you can see all the enemies on the screen and it's like a it's a it's like it's a it's a like it's it's a set space as soon as you expand it and you make it lower and you make it look like every other game you now expand the game out and you add useless padding that that game does not have that does not need it was don't oh, touch you mean it. you mean like they're doing for final fantasy remake that is different Hey, Michael and Chris, listen to this fucking young whippersnapper trying to defend his things from getting remade and his, all of his oh. memories of his favorite things just completely fucked over. Hey, TL, it's called getting older. It happens to all of us. We fought like you did, too. It'll be They fine. should live forever. It, it doesn't take away like from this thing you there was a perfect five, There was a perfect Chrono Trigger remake, and that was Pro Trigger for the DS, and you could buy it right now, yep, and it's, it's literally perfect. All it's right. literally perfect. Uh, finally, Cody Laveau weighs in with... Gang, it's Cage Crippler, Cody Laveau, and uh, just taking a quick break from doing Postmates uh, to step right out in the middle of the street. Nice. In a very busy tourist town. There's the state capitol right there. There's South Congress behind me, and uh, there's a checkpoint, but there's no cars. It's uh, wild out here. You see that? It's, it's like abandoned. In a city that's based around tourism... Uh, there's no tourists, which means all the bars are closed. Uh, the other thing that Austin does really well is uh, tech. All those guys are working from home, so there's literally no one out here but me bringing food to all the tech guys that are working inside. So it's uh, it's pretty bizarre. But, uh, so, you know, I thought you guys would find that pretty interesting. You're doing God's work, Cody. Thank so you. State capitals literally right there. Um... But yeah, uh, to answer this week's question, I know I've harped on this game before, but I love it. It's uh, it's Shadow Man. Um, mm. Came out for uh, I think the PlayStation and sixty four, maybe the PC. Okay. It might even be on GOG or something. But um, I love it. It's like a third person action adventure. Has guns. Has magic. It's due for some kind of a remake. Like, come on, that sounds rad, right? Voodoo, New Orleans, underworld, demons. Witch doctor, like, come on, that that needs to happen in the current gen, and uh, 
it would sell me on whatever console that it came out on, even if it's an expensive PC. We'll see you guys next week. Um, who knows? Might be uh, animals. It might be more of my abandoned city. Stay tuned. Find out. Love you guys. Oh, thank you. Didn't we read recently that there's like a Shadow Man remake rumor? Uh, uh, maybe that Night Dive was doing it or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like something they oh, do. Oh, yes. Anything acclaim. Take anything an 64 came and remake Anything acclaim abandoned Night Dive will we'll tackle. <laughs> All right. Um, new question of the week. Uh, describe your favorite opening sequence from a video game. You think we got it wrong with the top five? This is your chance to correct us. Uh, I guess mine, not listed in the top five, even though we talked about it a bit, would be Bioshock. Because I, I love, especially when you compare it to Bioshock Infinite, you have the opposite of you are getting into the, you're, you're, you're crash landing in the ocean. You don't know why you're playing crash, but you're there. You listen to Andrew Ryan's spiel. You go down in the bathosphere. You're down in this deeply corrupt undersea city versus Bioshock Infinite. You get rowed to this lighthouse by the strange Lutes quote unquote twins question mark uh you get shot into the sky in an escape pod and then you're in sky jingoville and you get to see this gleaming thing where they worship the founding fathers before uh being thrust out onto the street and uh getting your bearings i i think those two games make wonderful bookends mm. just their opening sequences alone but mm. someone else talk uh sure so i'll give mine um I'm going to be the annoying Nintendo fan and okay. say, and say Mother Three. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say Super Metroid. No, I, I okay Metroid. Super Metroid, really good opening. Um, I'm not going to do my trolley bit of shitting on Metroid, oh. uh, but um, Mother Three, it just it opens, it's it opens very like it's very serene, and you get to see the whole um, you know countryside, and you get to see the. These uh, dinosaurs and everything like that, and then it like leads right into a huge fire, and it's mm. like you're trying to rush to go run to your family because the whole forest is on fire, and then like it concludes like you find out because you're playing as Flint that your wife dies, and it's Clint having a breakdown and just starting beating the shit out of people who are like trying to hold him back from like being angry, and he, like he ends up in jail. It's such a it just gets you on the emotional roller coaster that is that game, uh, which Mother Three is just like an emotional roller coaster throughout. But yeah, it's it's Mother Three like easily. I was gonna say Chrono Trigger, but Mother Three is the one like I'm, I'm mm. really hard on. Mm -hmm. Nice. I have one that Michael. Hopefully, I can convince you because when we talked no, about the top five, impossible. I brought it up. So it's a little bit of an odd choice, but mm -hmm. hear me out. So Super Mario sixty four, uh -huh. and here's why. So this was. Mario series transition into 3D and where does it begin? It begins in the Mushroom Kingdom right in front of the castle and they were smart enough to know we can't just drop you in a level with enemies and stuff. You kind of it's basically a lobby where you're learning the controls. You're learning about the new jumps you have available to you. You know, you got kind of the triple jump and you got that reverse jump. You're, you can climb the tree and do the tricks off the trees. And it's like you have a giant consequence free playground. Yeah. It mm -hmm. basically is teaching you here's how you control the camera. Here's how you control Mario. This is how this looks. And then just it's so memorable finally going into the castle and then jumping into your first painting. For me, I'm like. It, when I think of Mario 64, I don't think of any of the individual worlds. I think of that castle in Mushroom Kingdom and just running around and playing around and collecting coins there. And I think it's 
because they needed to do that for the transition to 64, it's like the perfect little intro to Mario in 3D. Nice. Uh, and 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 if I, I thought we were gonna, we may have talked about it here, but uh, but on 302010 we played the clip again with no streaming video in the universe. There's a clip from I think Space World of them unveil Nintendo unveiling 60 Mario 64 to an audience and to hear you you like hear people faint in the background <laughs> over what Mario can do <laughs> like like it, it had been described in magazines but it, words were not enough like the Final Fantasy 7 demo you can hear people like what Mario is running in a circle Mario's running in a circle I have to call my editor right now <laughs> I mean they could have only just shown and TL like- just passed out they could I have just not. shown the stretchy face bit, and that would have been enough for people yeah. to freak the fuck out. Yeah, uh, I, I I had one in the in the bank, but now I realize you guys all talked about playable openings, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, yeah. no, I mean my opening is well, it's kind of playable, but it's I mean you could you could, I think you have the free. This is not like the op, like the, the top five. You have you have a, a way to play around with that. I mean, I, I I'm still gonna boost Last of Us because like one. Uh, both times one of my house guests came in like, what movie are you watching? I'm like, oh, bitch, it's not a movie. <laughs> it's a game. Uh, and, and you the, sounded the like sequence... Paul Lind when you told them that. <laughs> oh, look at this. Now, this is DNA being affected with the credits. <laughs> look at this. Mike Druckerman, he created directed it. Ow, ow. Don't forget to use your nails. Um, uh, like, the, the opening uh, sequence is amazing, and then the credits, like, like are so subdued and like she just thought like what movie are you watching i want to sit down and watch this and like you are going to be disappointed even though the opening is a lot like a movie but uh, if i'm being really honest with everyone once a month when i'm hammered i watch the sonic adventure intro um and 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 i also love the sonic mania intro it's one of my favorite things that's happened in the last decade and i couldn't be more happy that the fucking sonic movie opens with Sonic Mania uh, music from th- the Sonic Mania opening uh, diminished and f- very brief. It's the same. But, uh, it's the same artist, uh, Tyson. Tyson, who did the opening for Sonic Mania, which is great. Tyson Hess, is the guy. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's the guy who came no, in. Mike and did, Tyson. Uh, Mike, I did that shit. Don't don't take that credit from me. Mike don't Tyson, don't don't do that. Tyson Hess. Tyson Hess <laughs> rules. Uh, yeah. He 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 did the he did the character like when they redesigned when they got rid of the human teeth for Sonic. It was mm-hmm. Tyson that did the yeah. Which, that that yeah. is quite a, uh, a an a career arc because he went from like he he had a an online webcomic called uh, Boxer Hockey and he did like I think a tangent where he did like a parody of Sonic the Hedgehog where he met like uh, Nipples the Echidna or whatever it was <laughs> who has nipples on his fist and and from that he went to being like the authority on what Sonic should be. Like he unseated fucking Yuji Naka. That is that I mean, is. It, tur- it turns out these old Japanese guys really don't care. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> they just hire a bunch of like introverted internet kids to up- oversee this product, and that's the way it mm-hmm. should be. Because we, I, I like what they've done much better. Uh, but but the opening of Sonic Mania, it's one of the best pieces of animation made in the last five years. It's fucking gorgeous. And uh, but I, I love. Oh God. I can I can I can like recite to you the opening of Sonic Adventure. <laughs> Every time I played it, like Nana, watch the intro before you select your save file. Hmm. 
this is fantastic. Anyway, that sorry, that Alice in Chains song? <laughs> that no. just, it sounds like Alice in Chains. It's not that. Going Go on much longer. I thought you just meant like that first level because it's so iconic and it's so nothing like the rest of that game. It's like, oh, there's a no, you got a orca that chases you around. Uh, Yes, of course. Mm -hmm. The original nemesis, no, it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) It's too good. It's too good. We don't deserve things that good. So what is your favorite opening sequence from a video game? Let us know. Go to videogameapocalypse.com. Answer into the comments for episode 362. Alternately, you can hit us up on the official LaserTime community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer or just ping us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse. Anyway, that's been our show. Let's go with some plugs. Trav, where can people find you? Uh, sure, yeah. You can find me on the PNB Podcast Network uh com. we are doing so many shows and uh also i am over uh helping my uh buddy uh jose um jose de garcia um one of the things that got affected by covid19 is that his bar had to be shut down he had just opened up a uh, barcade in jacksonville last year obviously they cannot run uh so what he's been doing at twitch.tv slash uh, Rec Room Games. He has been uh, streaming every day except for Wednesdays and on Sundays and this Tuesday. Uh, but Sundays, uh, we have been streaming D&D where I have been DMing uh, the game. So please go out there. Um, uh, just even if you can, just follow the, the Twitch page. Uh, that would be really helpful uh, in this time where, you know, he doesn't can't really pay his workers like this is the only thing that we can really right. do. Use those Prime subscriptions just for the next two months. Just do it. Yes. And uh, and, and and TL will be on an upcoming Laser Time uh, next week about uh, forgotten <laughs> movie adaptations. Yeah, oh, I just I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait for people to hear about my favorite character that you introduced me to, Chris. Gene <laughs> Gene the Dancing Machine. Yeah. So good. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> There's many YouTube compilations. Get ready and watch all of them. <laughs> it's all great. Uh, and 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 um, I also want to plug Sonic. You ever seen a picture of Sonic pregnant? Yes. That was me. Nice. Congratulations. Uh, I, I I just wanted to plug that. You uh, impregnated Sonic. Good for you. Pa- Patreon.com slash laser time. Um, um, uh, Matt and Michael are, are with joining uh, me for a BAM video game apocalypse 30 2010 crossover where we talk about all the fucking important 30, uh, 30th, 20th, and 10th anniversaries of uh, some of our favorite games. I particularly really liked making fun of Pat Riley basketball <laughs> and a, a deep dive into how long it took Final Fantasy 13 to get out into the world <sighs> and the odd reception it got. And how a spinoff of Final Fantasy Thirteen became Final Fantasy Fifteen. <laughs> Remember, that's one of the weirdest things that's ever happened. Yep, really and, was in all of the game. Um, and and we talk all about that there, as well as sick of Star Wars, a uh, big ass Phantom Menace bitch about. I'll call it. Um, it's conflicting, uh, just because you could criticize the new Star Wars for not being different enough. Well, the Star Wars prequels. George Lucas didn't care about being <laughs> succinct with your childhood, and it was very different <laughs> and challenging, and it's also not good. <laughs> yeah. But it, but it, it's trying to do something else, and for that, I, I sort of respect it. Uh, but I also hate mm-hmm. it, and you can hear me yell about that drunkenly 
for hours on end on patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, along with a uh, bonus time, we have our coronavirus spectacular up there. T3 games, more new stuff to come. Thank you guys so much for supporting us uh, during this really, really weird time where I, if you didn't hear the show, I accidentally become the head of household to three people and six animals <laughs> with no other income coming in. So it'd be much appreciated. Well, Cheap Podcast is the Laser Time Network's unprofessional podcast about professional wrestling. Uh, WrestleMania was last weekend. God, it feels like so much longer than that ago. And um, so I put it up on our Twitter. Uh, that's at Cheap Podcast, by the way. That's we didn't really feel comfortable doing our typical thing of like doing a Patreon exclusive preview show and then the free review show. I, I'll be honest with you guys, I just wasn't super hyped and didn't know how I felt about WrestleMania. But what we're going to do instead is this. So uh, we're going to be recording our review show soon to give you our full thoughts on things like the Firefly Funhouse match and the Boneyard match. Um, but what we're going to do for you patrons is we're still going to do the 30 2010 Wrestling edition where we take a look back at WrestleMania 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Uh, we'll be able to spend a little bit more time on that because we don't have to do all the preview stuff. And so, yeah, that'll be up there for you patrons. And then we will have the review show in the free feed uh soon so check us out on twitter at cheap podcast uh hit me up i'm at maddie c allen and as always you can visit us online at vigigameapocalypse.com or on twitter at vg apocalypse and you can follow me personally on twitter at wiki anyway that's been our show thanks for listening everybody we'll see you next week Does that sound terrible? Hang it's on a this, I think there's an it echo like it's underwater. On it. <laughs> hang on. Hang, what is that? Uh, Do you have the reverb on your mixer turned on on well, accident that's, on that's that what channel? I'm looking for under um, the sea. That was really weird. Um, Ariel. Ariel. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs>